0: Screamcast episode one hundred and seventeen. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is BJ Colangelo.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Also joining us is Brad Henderson. Yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love the enthusiasm, Brad.
0: Wow. All right. Uh, We have a pretty fantastic show for you today. We're going to be talking about a couple, uh, a handful of Vinegar Syndrome releases. We've been trying like hell to get this podcast going for this episode. Uh, normally we try to hit them every month. We're trying to do the July package and then we're going to try to do the August package and things got crazy and schedules and random interviews that Brad got that were awesome. We couldn't pass up. And so we have a little back catalog of vinegar syndrome to talk about. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. A couple house cleaning things. Uh, we're, we, we got some, uh, enamel pins. Brad had this, uh, idea to do some enamel pins. And uh, so those are up on the website. Gotta keep your pin game strong. You do. Uh, this is new to me because I do not collect pins yet. But uh, Ooh, a whole chill. new world has been opened when up. That,
1: when that addiction starts, God damn it. it does not stop. I follow so many pin <laughs> sites on Instagram. Like, my Instagram is just, like, film people, cute animals, porn stars, <laughs> pins.
0: Nice. Uh, these were, like... I was kind of on the fence of doing these and then Brad kind of, you know, he's working with, uh, or- Omar. Is it Hawkson?
2: No, I'm just going to let you say it.
0: No, I mean, you know, Hawkson? <laughs> yeah.
2: Is read. that right? Mm. That's how I say it.
0: Okay. Omar, I apologize if you're listening, uh, if I butchered <laughs> your name. But, um, Brad started showing me these designs and, uh, for pins and I was like, well, shit. I guess we might as well try these. So we're giving them a try. We have, uh, Oily O'Bannon. Which is from a, a series that Omar did kind of inspired by Garbage Pail Kids and, uh, and, uh, Zombies. And then we have, uh, one we just, we just put up on there called Bloody Ballet, inspired by Suspiria. So, uh, 10 bucks each, shipping included within that price. Uh, international, of course, we gotta add on some more, uh, some more shipping, but they're over on the website, thescreamcast.com. Click on the shop or store, uh, button up there. And grab those if you uh, are keeping your pin games strong.
1: I need to buy the buddy, Bloody Ballet one to go with my... I have two Suspiria pins. I have one from Creepy Company. That's the glass ceiling. And then I have one from Paul Bearer Press. That's uh, like the goblin cover with uh, like the red one with the symbol on her forehead. Nice. So I need to I need to get up on that.
2: Uh, uh, so
0: so yeah, everybody yeah, I mean,
2: needs to. Yeah, everybody
1: so. should. Let's <laughs> match. Well, so let's be twinsies with our pinsies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the designs were so strong, and I was like that. Your Brad was showing me. I was like, "Well, we, we might as well at least try it." So they're both limited to a hundred. Uh, it's just it's it's an experiment. And uh if if you guys collect pins, I think the they will they will be fun additions. Uh, anyway, enough of that bullshit. Um, let's not, jump not into. Bullshit. I know. But yeah, I'm horrible <laughs> at promoting our own stuff. Uh, self promotion. I'm horrible at. I'm getting better. You've done at in. all promotion. What are you talking about? <laughs> let's jump into what's on our doorstep.
3: Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door.
1: <laughs> Alright. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. I only, have,
1: I only have two <laughs> things on my doorstep because, as per usual, I'm in a show right now. I am in... R- Rehearsals for Silence, the musical, the unauthorized parody of Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Holy shit, it's funny. If anywhere around you ever does a production of Silence, like the rights just came out, so it'll probably start hitting regional theaters, uh, go see it. It's raunchy and great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, because of that, I haven't gotten to see a whole lot. But this past weekend, I did a double feature at Cleveland's wonderful Capitol Theater, which is basically the closest thing Cleveland will ever get to having a draft house cinema. Um, I saw a double feature of Phantasm Ravager was the first one. And, oh man, I really wanted to love Phantasm Ravager <laughs> and just... It's a fun movie. There's a lot of heart in it. If you like Phantasm and if you like the characters, there's a lot of fan service that'll make you happy. But that movie is kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> I was a little intoxicated when watching it, so I had a great time. <laughs> but uh, after finishing it, I was just like, God, ugh, rough pumpkins. Uh, but I do love Reggie Bannister for forever and ever and ever. And uh, I think that they they do a lot with Phantasm Ravager that um, I think is kind of clever. But had they had a, a bigger budget and a lot more going for them, I think that it would have been a better final product. But all in all, like I'm not disappointed that I saw it. I think if you like the franchise, if you like Phantasm, you definitely need to check it out um i think that it's a, it's a nice way to end kind of that story so phantasm Ravenger. um and it was followed by which may end up being one of my favorite films of the year uh the greasy strangler mm. i don't know how brad felt about it because i did not listen to his fantastic fest rants yet so i'm curious what did you feel about it mr henderson
2: well, I went on about it on um, during the South by Southwest episode because I saw it back in March.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: He's a hipster uh, that way.
1: I forgot. You're so not fancy. sure.
2: Not sure if that's <laughs> that's accurate. Um, no, I I I love it. I've watched it three times. I can't get enough.
1: I fucking loved it. <laughs> I really loved this movie. It's just absurdist and. Interesting. And for somebody that is such a diehard kind of John Waters, uh, you know, Todd Solon's fan as I am, this, you know, was right, right in my wheelhouse. Um, I, I had a fucking blast with it. And seeing it in a midnight screen was really nice. Uh, what was kind of disappointing is that the only people in the theater were my group of friends <laughs> that <laughs> came with me. So it was just like nine of us with, this entire theater to ourselves, which was almost a blessing because we were horribly inappropriate and we're all loud laughers, but we had a total fucking blast and we can't stop quoting it at each other. It's, It's one of those movies that I think already is showing that it's going to have this massive following because it's just... It's so weird without being bad. Like, it's not weird bad like The Room. It's weird like like a Pink Flamingos, honestly. Like, it's the closest thing to a modern, like, John Waters film I can feel. Um, I love the characters. I love that everybody looks weird, but not, like, scary, you know, Giuseppe makes a movie weird. They're just – everybody has something a little off about them. Um, But I I fucking loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Put Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie on my tombstone. (laughs) This movie is amazing. I it's it's probably gonna be like in my top three
2: of the year. That's just real talk. It's probably the most quotable movie I've ever seen.
1: Oh my god! Like the amount of times I like, yelled "bullshit artist" at people in the last like four days can't even count it.
2: I just Everything like talking to people and this. I say I'm shit scared.
1: <laughs> I'm shit scared right now.
2: And then you uh, put and you put big in front of everybody because they call him Big Braden.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's.
3: But uh, it's like, it's so it's, it's just
2: so many, like, little one-liners and shit, like...
1: It is also the first movie in a very long time to make me audibly gag.
2: <laughs> oh, just it's, it's good.
1: Watching, like, the hot dog get dipped into, like, the retaining grease trap of, like, a hot dog stand, I, yeah. I gag very, very loudly. <laughs> oh, God, thinking about it makes me sick. Um, when
2: we were uh, at South uh, by, there was a lot of people that walked out because it, mostly it's a lot of old, rich, pretentious assholes.
1: Which is um, weird because you wouldn't think that would be the scene at South by.
2: It's well, that's be- no one can fucking afford it. It's fucking twelve hundred dollars for a film badge. Like, that's, that's true. Ridiculous. So, like during the potato chip sequence, there was oh. so many walkouts. So, it's just like one more time, Porto. Well, excuse me <laughs> one more time Porto.
1: Oh, and they just my God.
2: they exchange that <laughs> for the listeners that haven't seen it they exchange that for a good solid two minutes oh, yeah. they just keep doing that joke over and over and to the point where you laugh at first and then you're like get uncomfortable because you're like wait a second this isn't funny but like 45 but seconds stop. in 45 seconds in you're like holy shit this is hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> they will not stop doing that one gag and it's Ugh. just like and it works, like, you know, and, and that's why I said it's almost like the anti movie as mm-hmm. well. It's like an anti movie. It's like we don't wanna be a movie. We want to do our own fucking thing.
1: Yeah. It doesn't follow any of the conventional rules of comedy. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone always like, Oh, it's the, the rule of thirds with comedy. And they're like, Rule of third. How about the rule of 15? Cause we're just going to keep saying the same shit <laughs> and it's still going to work. Like, like the bullshit artist scene goes on pretty fucking long and it's, it, it, like it doesn't stop being funny. It's so funny.
2: The the first time or the first time that Braden fixes his dad that breakfast and he pours the grease, the camera pans back, but they just look at each other and they nod for like a good thirty seconds. Yep. And it's like, (laughs) what is happening? Like this scene should (laughs) have ended like twenty seconds ago.
1: Every award to the costume designer as well. Holy
2: Shit. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I It's not for everybody, I think. No, not at people all. People that like John Waters, like, especially visually like John Waters. People that like, you know, Tim and Eric's awesome show. Like, the type of comedy, because it hits that a lot. Like, I, I said it was a Napoleon Dynamite, Tim and Eric, X-rated, like, mashup. To me, it
1: feels like they gave money to Insane everyone. Insane people? that too it feels like they gave money to people who have only ever watched the stuff they show on Adult Swim at three in the morning like <laughs> they were like what that's the only thing you've ever seen make a movie
2: yeah but wow. it's it's great yeah
1: yeah I loved it so those those were my two doorsteps I am excited that on Saturday I'm doing 12 hours of terror um at at the Capitol. Oh, I did actually notice one thing briefly that I'll talk about. So I went to the drive-in this weekend as well. Um, they always do a quadruple feature for $9. And this time it was Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Candyman. Wow. And all these people left before Candyman because they fucking racist. Um, <sighs> But Candyman is a movie that I've never thought of seeing in a drive-in, ever like Halloween and Friday the 13th, that makes sense. Killer Clowns, like that kind of makes sense because it's like a fun popcorn movie. Candyman and the Drive-In played really well. Cool. Really, really well. Um, Like I have, you know, a newer car now, so I have a really nice sound system. The bass in my car rattled when Tony Todd comes out of the parking lot and does his hell in. And it was one of the most horrifying things I've ever experienced. Like, my whole car is shaking, and it's just Tony Todd billowing. I was like, fuck, this is an amazing movie to watch in the drive-in. Um, so, yeah, I highly suggest uh, watching Candyman with the bass up in your house because it'll scare the shit out of you. No. Yep.
2: <laughs> Do it. No. I'm just going <laughs> uh, to watch Candyman. I'll listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm not a Candyman fan. I know. I've, I've tried like three or four times too, but I, I love, love I love that Philip Glass wow. soundtrack. But I can't do Candyman. I'm a and fan. what's
1: crazy is that can't, the Candyman soundtrack is like the only good thing Philip Glass has done. His operas are terrible.
2: Whoa, whoa! whoa. Sorry, <laughs> I
1: went there. I did yeah. it. What are you gonna do about it? Nothing. We're gonna have that's a right. Philip.
2: We're gonna have a Philip Glass talk uh on a later podcast. Oh shit! We're gonna have Philip Glass on. Put a pin so. in that.
1: Philip Glass on. All right. Yeah, that's all. That's
0: all, that's all I got, folks. All right. Uh All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and go.
2: Okay, Sean, go.
0: <laughs> I'll burn through these. I finally got around to watching uh the Scream Screen Factory a release of the Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, and uh, they're I, mean, I, I was kind of like giving them a hard time that they were re-releasing these types of movies because I was like, well, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and then the Return of the Living Dead. Like they've already had a couple, you know, Blu-ray releases, but I mean, they really like have taken these and given them like the love that 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 they deserve. I mean, the they they've all the extras on here, and especially the new extras on here were just really fun. It was like I think it was like Saturday afternoon my kids were playing video games and I just popped this in and started watching all the special features and and uh they just did a fantastic job with it. So if you're on the fence with buying this um I know it was our uh John Portanova chose this as one of our discs of the week. Um grab it. It's definitely worth it. Uh, I I actually I was Well they're in...
2: doing new skins. Like if yeah. they if they re-release stuff again on Blu-ray like they were doing for right. a long time, it's bullshit artist. But, yeah. you know, if you do this, if you're doing, um, if you're doing new scans like they're doing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're doing the inner Positive. Yeah. It looks great. Like, yeah. I'm okay with that. Cause honestly, the original Return of the Living Dead Blu ray looks like
0: looks fucking horrible. P. And I had the second like sight one. Like someone on but, it. Yeah. The second site one looked a little bit better. Um, but, uh, this, this is. They've, they've given the final release. You know what I mean? Like this is the end all be all hopefully release of, of this movie. It, it's, it's stacked. It's really good. The artwork's great. Um, so anyway, I just want to give that a, a shout out. Um, if you're on the fence of buying it, I, I found it at Best Buy one day. I was walking through Best Buy and I was like, holy shit. And because Best Buy is actually starting to stock some of these. So I grabbed this and then I grabbed, um, what else did I grab? Anyway. dick. Um, I'll, I'll get to that a little at a later ah. time. When I oh, Buckaroo Banzai. Mm grab that mm. um next up i want to talk about really quick is uh the blu-ray release of constantine the complete series now i only i i'd like you know this is a dc comic book character but uh he's like an, he's he plays he's like an exorcist and uh the only thing i, I ever really heard,
1: liked that show
0: really huh
1: i really liked
3: that yeah show. no i've watched the first I episode really it's fantastic
0: it. it's great um because all I really knew was like the Keanu Reeves movie, which was just you know it's a piece of shit. It's an enjoyable piece of shit, but uh, it's a piece of shit. But this one, like they get the character right. It's played straight. Oh, it's uh, it's good. <laughs> Have you seen Constantine, Brad? The se- two, the, the
2: fucking mo- oh no! But the movie's great. What are you talking about?
0: The movie's ridiculous, but I love it. But it's 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 stupid. No. Oh, Sean. No! Keanu Reeves is absolutely awful as Constantine. No! No,
1: he's not, but What are you talking about?
0: I don't know. Well, anyway. Dude, Constantine's
2: like one of my favorite movies of like 2005. (laughs) It's
0: okay, you know. Agree to disagree. I I like it as a dumb popcorn (laughs) flick, but for me, like, it's not a good movie.
2: Dude, fucking Gavin is awesome. What are you talking about? Dude
0: uh Dude. anyway the the series is is great it only got <laughs> one season but uh i'm digging it so far i can't wait to finish watching it and uh
2: what's the, i want to know i really want matt know ryan general, plays a really
0: good john constantine
2: i want to know the um like the general consensus of what people think about constantine because i have a feeling that that's a really 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 well-liked movie
1: it's no. a super, it's a super polarizing movie. Actually, yeah. so I, people I want... either really love it and think like this is great, this is fun, this is awesome, or people are like, this is a hot garbage train wreck. There's I, really I had
0: fun watching like, it as eh, a hot garbage train Constantine.
1: wreck. Constantine, like they either love it or they think it's shit.
0: <laughs> so I don't know. That's just me. Uh, move on. Let's move on to another polarizing uh, film here. I finally watched The Shallows. Starring Blake Loudly. I,
2: I knew you're gonna do that to me.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, I. It's kind of <laughs> marketed. It's marketed as this really tense, you know, uh, surfer versus shark. You know, realistic type thing, right? How marketed, right? And dude, uh, just
2: say that. Voodoo this is a has- really
1: good description.
2: Voodoo has fucking <laughs> determined the genre of this movie because I rented it and I was like looking under horror and I couldn't find it. That shit's under drama.
1: <laughs> I was Shark like, drama.
0: I watched uh, it. I was like, dude, this is so fucking right. It's such a fucking drama. It's pathetic. It is. I mean, for what it is, I liked it. it I didn't think it was scary. Uh, mm. For the, I think I I think I legitimately liked. You think about half of the movie. <laughs> But then it kind of like, it turns into kind of like this shark, this monster movie, uh, basically, and like the last, I mean, uh, the finale is so ridiculous. It's
1: incredible, is the word you're looking for. That, I mean, I
0: kind of <laughs> like it, but I'm like, I'm like torn. I need to watch this again. I liked it for what it was, but it wasn't the movie that I felt like I was being sold. Through the trailers, and so what that's I not heard people that's not the about, movie's
1: fault. That's the marketing's right, fault, and that yeah. is your own fault for having preconceived notions. Yeah, walking into a film.
0: <laughs> but Blake Lively's great. She's, uh you know, um she's great in the role. Like, I there's some there there are. You're some allowed moments.
1: to say she has a good butt, Sean. Like, no one's gonna burn you to the stake.
0: Well, she's super hot. She looks great, but I, I'm, you know. uh <laughs> But, you know, uh, someone was saying, like, like, oh, the camera lingers on Blake Lively, and they were complaining, i sexist, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I didn't th- I didn't think that that they were taking advantage of, of her. No, like, it's I, very
1: I, much from the male gaze, which I know is hard for you to know because you're a guy, is it? so okay. you have a male gaze. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it it? <laughs> it, it lingers the fuck out of okay. her. I'm not complaining, because I'm a pervert,
2: but... <laughs> yeah, but do you know how many, like, how many shots of her on her surfboard laying on her stomach... Filming from behind her, there are a billion. Well, yeah, but she's a, dude, surfer. She's a surfer. It doesn't. She's so a matter, dude. You'd you'd be the be movie's about dude butt. a fucking shark.
1: Yeah, here's the thing, though, Sean. Yeah, she's a surfer, but you can also show her from the front on her board. <laughs> True. You don't have to shoot okay. her ass. And the all only right.
2: time they show her in the front is when she's in her bikini putting on her Correct. fucking <laughs> swimsuit.
1: Male gaze. All
0: right, but anyways, all right. All right. Well, I mean, oh, for what it is, I. I, I I liked it for what it is. Uh, what are you choking I, on, fucking salt water? I, yeah, I know. I I was I was disappointed overall by it, but I liked it for what for what it ended up to be. No, However, the no. ending is <laughs> ridiculous. It's great. Uh, I very
2: very seldom, and you know this for a fact, and you can listen to every one hundred and fucking whatever episodes we're on. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly ever ever talk shit about a movie. The Shallows is by far one of the worst films I've seen this year.
0: Wow, <laughs> dude! And I I've disagree.
2: I've seen over seven hundred movies this year.
0: I, I don't think it's agree. that bad. I mean, you know, dude, it's, just, it's, a, it, it's a B movie a fucking, shark movie. No,
2: it's not. It's not a B movie. I get I get, I saw a lot of people after I watched it. I saw a lot of people say that you have no idea what a B movie is. If you categorize this as a B movie, there's nothing B, B movie, movie about it. Do you know what it is?
1: This it's a fucking F.
2: A,
0: you get an this F. Is... Alright, let's let VJ talk.
1: <laughs> the Shallows is um, the people who make the lifetime real crime dramas trying to make a shark movie.
2: There you go. That's a pretty good <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. That's and cool. that's an accurate I'm description the queen of Drama. lifetime
1: movies. So you know damn well how I feel about the shallows in that case. I think it's great. I had a blast. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely ridiculous.
2: I mean and I it... like it. It almost lost me when she's in the fucking truck in the beginning and we have to look at her fucking telephone, her fucking, her cell phone screen (laughs) through the majority of the like first five minutes. Give me a fucking break. No, it's such a, she's just staring at fucking pictures. (laughs) Like can't she just have Polaroids in her, they're Polaroids, they're Polaroid pictures. (laughs) She took a picture, she took a picture of a Polaroid picture. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> fucking put well, those
2: in your fucking bag. But they might
0: get wet. She's a surfer. They might. They're uh, fucking Polaroids. Yeah, they
1: might get wet. So let's put it on your cell phone, which is gonna do great in water, she Sean.
0: puts it in the baggie. Oh, dude, my
1: god.
2: You no, know, everything about that movie is just fucking like the only props that I give the film is that when the shark very first hits her board and you see it in the wave, I thought oh, that was dude, pretty that's a cool. Funny,
0: cool shot. Yep. Yeah, and then really one good. of the
2: and one of the, one of the very first surfers when that shark just fucking comes out of nowhere and bites him spoiler. Um, (laughs) that is a
1: spoiler beforehand, but
2: (laughs) it's, it's, it's great. Like, but that's 20 seconds of the movie. I like 20 seconds of the shallows. (laughs) Therefore I would have gave it like half of a half star. But I gave it a half star. Wow.
0: I I would give this a solid three stars. It's no, all right. Jesus Christ. It's all right.
1: 10 out of 10. Perfect movie.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving along <laughs> it's here. Like a six. <laughs> this is probably another polarizing movie. I don't know. I, I Jesus think Brad, Christ. Brad, you, you talked about it, but I watched uh, The Purge election year.
2: Oh, God.
0: Yes. And, well, yes. for, you know, for what it is, the series, like The Purge series, it is what it is. Like, I was kind of hoping for a little more, maybe satire in the p- political arena. Uh, oh, you didn't get me.
2: enough of that being shoved in your face? I
0: didn't see. I didn't, dude. I didn't. I guess I didn't. I didn't notice it because, for me, it just felt more of like it. a retread of the second one, which is fine. It's it's, no, it's fine. No, no,
2: no, uh, no. But Grillo, I think the second one. No,
0: I think Grillo's is like neutered in this movie. Like he's you don't, not, yeah.
2: He's not even. He's not, he's not playing a... captain. They just should have put something, somebody, somebody else in that role. They well, ruin he, that character.
0: Yeah, because they totally. Uh, he's not the badass he was in the second one. He's playing. He the only same shows character.
2: it one time. Yeah, when he's actually fighting the. You know, hey, let's get some uh, Nazis to play. What a fucking crock of shit! <laughs> like you fucking hire white power Nazis as fucking military with fucking helicopters. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> where do they find a bunch of white power fucking radicals to pilot helicopters and have military vehicles even uh, if they're supplied you, by the fucking military like you know would here's you like th-
1: me to tell you where you find that because uh all you have to do is go on one of fucking donald trump's tweets
2: and <laughs> scroll to the
1: replies and i will find you a goddamn oh, yeah. militia yeah so-,
2: so here's the thing is that i really disliked the first purge I really really hated it. And if the reason why was because even like how crazy the plot is, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with it. I like the 12 hour thing once a year. I can dig it because my suspension disbelief, I can do that. Yeah. My problem was is kind of the carelessness of the the killers, not caring if they lived or died because still in that situation Like, they're still human beings. They have day jobs, probably. They're normal people. But they didn't give a fuck about their friends dying, whether people are coming after with shotguns. They just, "Uh, whatever, swinging their knives in the air, doing whatever. The second one cleared all that up. Mm -hmm. And it got really serious. And even the killers were afraid to die. That's what I liked about it. Because that felt more real. And I did like how they got a little political... But also left a lot of that open that didn't have to say, "Oh yeah, this is why we're doing it. You know You obviously could tell the reason why and the second one while why the purge was created. Meanwhile, we had a couple linear stories that were really, really cool that you know you basically intertwined and got together and we had a good group of people that we really liked, along meeting crazy, crazier people. Right, and we also had this huge like fucking you know Malcolm X character that was really essential and really great. You know, fuck the New Founded Fathers. Yeah, and that's great. This one goes right back to the fucking first one, and just wants to get silly, and that's what I didn't like
0: about it. Yeah, I mean, that's so silly. I felt like I felt like there wasn't enough meat on the bone on on the third one. Like the second one set it up really nicely with all that, and this one like they could have you know they could have had. Uh, even more with, you know, with the president candidate. Uh, Although I think she's a little too young to be running for president, in my opinion. I don't Mm. know.
2: It is. I mean, I I can allow stuff like that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ding a movie for, for, for little things like that. It's just that there's a lot of things that bothered me because I thought the first, the second film cleared it up. Yeah. And as actually BJ was the reason why I watched the second one. Do you know that BJ?
1: Dude, I fucking love the second one. And I've, No, but you're
2: the reason why I watched it. I didn't realize that
1: I was the reason. That makes me excited, though.
2: Because I watched the first one, and I was done. Because I really, (laughs) really, really disliked the first Purge. Like, I fucking hated it. Like, it's a little bit better than The Shallows. Um, (laughs) So when the second one came out, I was like, "Uh, whatever. But I actually uh, had lunch with you and Zach when I was up visiting in Cleveland, and you said something that piqued my interest. You said if John Carpenter basically directed the Purge movie, that's kind of what it feels like.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like I
2: escaped from New York. And I was like, all right, I'm down. So I watched it as soon as I got back home. And that movie is five stars by far. I fucking loved it. I watch it over and over and over. So when I heard election year was coming out, I was pretty fucking amped because I figured they would dive more into kind of what two was doing. And it feels like they just regressed and just went completely backwards. Yeah. And they got to the point of being too silly for me. Like, they just couldn't have military. They have to be Nazis. (laughs) Like, they, they have to have white power on their fucking
0: military uniforms. Yeah. I well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. where they actual- and the guy? Like
2: I'm, the main guy takes off his fucking mask, and he's got tattoos. Like those, I know those guys. That's what people have. But where are these people coming from?
1: See,
3: why I,
2: when they have a I shootout in a garage, no glass breaks. That's another thing that really yes. pissed me off.
1: I completely disagree with you guys in the sense. Okay, so I do believe that the second film is like the perfect one of that trilogy um i like election year a lot more than i like the first one and i know that the whole white power nazis seems pretty far-fetched and ridiculous but part of the beauty of the purge as a franchise is that the message they're delivering is extremely heavy-handed and it it's because it has to be because the target audience for these films are fucking idiots like these are the people that don't understand that black lives matter doesn't necessarily mean that all lives aren't important and only black ones matter. That's not what it fucking means. But the people watching this movie think that, because they're idiots. So they have to have this message be as spoon-fed on a silver platter as possible. And how do you do that? You say, this is an um, allegory for racism. Here's white power. And that's why they're using it. Because otherwise, people aren't going to fucking get that. They're like, oh, all right, this means yeah, that the government's I, I get... corrupt. But yeah, it's like, yeah, no, yeah, that's not yeah, the yeah. message. Right, so all right, all right, that's right. why. All right, all right, all right, (laughs) all right, right. fine, I get it. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, like, because I know that, like, 20 years from now, I'm going to be that, like, weirdo, like, horror academic that's going to write a book about the importance of the purge (laughs) in the (laughs) time of the new millennium. Because I do think that these films are extremely important because it's one of the few franchises that is accepting our audiences are fucking idiots. And we have to do it this way, right. and I respect them for owning that.
0: Well, I mean, I love the idea, the whole idea of the Purge movies. I love, and I, I and I feel like they almost need to keep just new characters each time. I think bringing Frank Grillo's character carrying him o- carrying him over was a mistake because um, he really didn't you didn't really need him to be that character, you know. And uh, if they like just these nights are so crazy as as it is, is twelve hours that there's so many stories that they can tell. You know, and, and that's, and, you know, I mean, I'm, every time there's a new Purge movie, I'm going to see it until this thing runs out of steam, because I still like the idea. Steam gone.
1: I, I agree. I think that there's a lot of different ways and angles that they can take this that I'm surprised. Like, I understand why they did Election Year, because of, obviously, it's the same reason you're going to do a, you know, a Killer Shark movie on the 4th of July kind of a thing. It's just smart marketing, um, but I'm hoping that once this election dies down and hopefully we aren't in a society run by Trump, <laughs> but who knows? Um, I'm hoping that they the purge then jumps back into kind of what they were trying to tell with the second one, mm-hmm. because I really do feel like they were like, we need to do something with the election because that's where we have this window. You know? right. And I think that that kind of stifled the creativity a little bit. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, I think The Purge is going to be one of those series where it's going to be like, here's the one that we're making simply to make money. Now here's the one we're making to tell the story. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to end up being like that. And I think that they could probably squeeze two or three more out of it before it's going to just get really monotonous. But I think that the concept is still so fresh and mm-hmm. interesting that they have plenty of room to play around with.
0: Nice. Nice. All right, I got a couple more here, and I'm done. Uh, I, Jesus. I Brad turned me on to these classic cult collection Blu-rays from Germany. Uh, I grabbed The Giver. I had a handful, but I watched The Giver. It's going to be coming out on Arrow, uh, and I pre-ordered that too. But um, I wanted to see... I was curious about this one because this was the director's cut. And had a lot of fun watching it. It's been forever since I've seen this movie, so there's like things that I totally forgot. There's a scene where that they end up on a movie set. And... Uh, are you guys there?
2: Yeah, it sounds really funky though.
0: Yeah, it's coming through weird on my. Okay, there we go. Um, but um, they end up like running through a movie set, and and I, the, one of the guys jumps over the wall, like there's this guy kind of helping him down, and I'm and I was like, is this a mistake? Like, did they get you know accidentally get a crew member in the shot as he's helping the guy down <laughs> down the wall? But it turns out uh, I was a bit confused on that. Um, but I. <laughs> uh the humor of the film kind of caught me off guard because i it's been forever since i've seen this so when you're a kid when you're younger it doesn't seem as goofy but um so i a lot took of fun. that shit
2: fucking seriously dude huh i was a little kid i fucking took that shit seriously yeah. and then I,
0: but uh, I was uh anyway watching it
2: when i was like a teen i was like wait a second
0: this
2: <laughs> is a fun, fucking comedy
0: it's uh it's it's silly um you know produced by, by brian usna but uh, the creature effects are fun. It's, you know, it's a fun flick. I'm excited to see what Arrow does with all the, you know, special features and stuff. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this one. I haven't seen, I think there's a sequel. I haven't seen that. But, uh, it's just, you know, the men in, cos- men in these creature costumes and everything, everything like that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of cool little creature effects in it. So if you haven't seen it or if you've kind of passed it off, you know, it's, it's a goofy little... You know, it's not made for adults, it's made for teenagers and kids, you know, it's PC-13, and the director's cut doesn't have anything insanely gory, it's just a few extra little things, and Brad, you were saying that it was, they used like VHS or something to fill in for the director's cut? Um, yeah, yeah, there's but, a
2: couple of VHS sequences. But it's
0: very, not very noticeable, like, you know, it, they're very small little slivers cut in, so you can you can tell, but it's, you know, it, it's over quick. But, um, but I think the arrow version is not the director's cut. So, which is why I got this because I wanted to compare. But anyway, it was like, I think like eight or nine bucks from Amazon Germany. So I got a handful of these, uh, Germany, German flicks that I'm sure I'll be diving into shortly. But, um, if you're, if you're on a budget and you want the Guyver, uh, grab that from Amazon Germany. And finally, uh, I watched. A movie that was created for $250. Intervision put out, uh, the DVD of the, can, uh, can exploitation sci-fi flick, uh, called Phobe, the Xenophobic Experiments. Yeah. And this was made in 1994, <laughs> uh, in Canada. Our main character, who's the actor sadly passed away in a car accident in 2003, apparently. Uh, he's rocking a, Awesome 90s era mullet. Spiky yes. on top, long in the back. Yes. And I was expect I was expecting this to just be, you know, a struggle to get through. And I've seen plenty of shot on video stuff.
2: Uh no, you haven't.
0: Not as much as Brad, but That's I've seen plenty <laughs> and enough you, you need to,
2: take that back. to know
0: that it's not my generally shot on video is not my thing. I'm not, you know, it's just I don't know. But I mean, I was raised on Spielberg. I was spoiled, raised on Spielberg movies and and Star Wars and stuff like that. So you're, you're an
1: elitist. Fuck, is I'm what a, you're saying.
0: Say no, it ruined it ruined your vision of movies. It, no, it 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 probably did. How? What I I preface that by saying like, this movie was so much fun. Um, even though you've seen clips of it, you kind of wonder like, oh, this is you know what the heck is going on here? But it's just, like, the director has such a clear vision of what she wanted, and she obviously knew how to cut a movie. And she knew how to get, you know, to get a decent score for the film. Like, this movie moves along. The music's actually really good. And even though, like, you know, these guys are basically doing this for next to nothing and they're having fun doing it, and um, it's very amateur, it's a lot of fun to watch. I had a blast watching Phobe. Like, I was surprised. I was dreading putting this in. Because when I got this, when this came in the mail, I was like... Oh crap. And then, uh, uh, whoa.
3: who whoa, put it whoa.
0: out? Uh, Intervision. Intervision. Okay. And so I was dreading watching this. And then they, they'd, con- you know, Inter- Intervision, um, contacted me, you know, when is the, re- when are you going to talk about it? When are you going to write the review? And <laughs> I was just like, oh shit. I guess I better watch this. But, uh, I had way oh, more fun. Don't make,
2: it, don't make it sound like a chore or anything.
0: <laughs> Some, sometimes when you're, you know, you, you know, when you never know dad what you're getting and
1: you have all these kids and you have a life. Well, you
0: have a <laughs> I, I want to watch shit that I want to watch, you know. So so but this was this was fun. Like I was surprised how much I loved it. There's some great uh, uh extras on here about the making of the film. Like you just end up really uh kind of falling in love with the filmmakers too. And, uh, and everything. So if you're, if you're a fan of Shana video stuff, if you're a fan of kind of just wacky, uh, low, low, low budget films, low budget sci fi, uh, I, this actually comes highly recommended for me. A lot of fun. Brad, you saw this, right? You, did you saw this yeah. on the screen somewhere?
2: No, I saw it, um, just a couple years ago. Um, Josh Johnson, who actually did the, um, the kind of short documentary on the disc. Okay. Um, he turned me onto it. Um, I think maybe a couple years ago he, uh, he asked me if you know, we were just talking about shot on video stuff because that's one of my shot on video, uh, friends. Um, and he asked me if I've ever seen it. I said, nah, he's like, dude, he's like, these kids made this movie. It took him like a year to make it. And already I was like, I was like hooked. I was like, all right, cool. Cause I've watched David the rock Nelson movies, which are eight hours long. And he filmed on <laughs> a, you know VHS tape, and that's an endurance test. And I'm not kidding when I say his movies are eight hours long. Um, so I was like, I was totally down. And plus, as soon as it started, I was already happy because you know I think even Josh said this. It feels like the movie you'd make with your friends when you were mm. like twelve. Yeah. You know, as like a total geek making making uh you know a geeky homage uh sci-fi flick and i mean it it has and the thing is is that you know it it might be cheap but you know imagine if you would have gave these kids like money and a budget what they would be able to do because they are so smart with what they did and what they used and like i said a year of filming and yeah the continuity is a little off at times um (laughs)
1: But that kind of but, comes with the territory of the McDonald thing. I mean, you things.
2: fucking filmed the movie over a year. You'd expect, you know, probably even a lot more. But I think it's one of those things you don't even notice it because you're so into the movie. Um, you know, it, it's you know, I was actually I did a little segment on um, Splat House, Mike Delaney's uh, podcast,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is great by the way. You guys need to listen to it if you're uh, listening to this episode. Um, it's like really well produced though. And it's like, sounds really good. God damn
3: those guys. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Fuck so anyways, he asked me to do like kind of a little, <laughs> little, um, like a little thing talking about shot on video movies. And, and I said in the shot on video, uh, little segment, you know, and this is what I've always thought watching shot on video movies. It, you know, you're watching a movie, but at the same time you feel like you're watching a movie like you made. And you're watching it and you feel like your friends did it or maybe you even helped out, Mm -hmm. you know, and you feel like you're part of it. That's how I always felt. And that's why I really, really love shot on video stuff, because it reminds me of watching home movies. And like growing up with my family, um, (laughs) my mom would always have the video camera out. So she videotaped everything And our home video collection at my parents' house is like, you know, fucking 300 tapes it's ridiculous they're all eight hours a piece it's it's crazy so but whenever we're hanging out that's
1: what my and, grandma's house was like and
2: uh so beautiful <laughs> so like <Sorry>. whenever <laughs> we're like no no it's fine it's it's awesome it's just that when like during christmas time or holidays like when family comes in the very first thing that we say is go get a home video and we'll take one and we'll put it on because my family's crazy so every video is, like, hilarious. And we have a couple that are really stand out because, like, the whole thing's funny. And even, like, we've had, like, you know, had a girlfriend over at the time or, you know, friends. My dad will put them on while my friends are there and, like, we're talking just to show, like, how crazy our family is. And, like, people that had no idea who these people are were cracking up, you know, this because of how idiotic my family is. All that said, watching shot on video stuff, it takes me back to a much simpler time. And even when I was renting movies uh as a kid at video time in Akron Canton, Ohio. Uh that's it's Akron and Can. Um but there's like side by side. Um renting like stuff like Things and um fucking, you know, The Last Slumber Party renting stuff like that, and then watching it, I was like, wait a second, why does this look like I made it? What is that, a microwave?
1: (laughs) Zach is making me dinner because I haven't eaten since (laughs) noon. (laughs) Good
2: job, Zach. (laughs) Good job, Zach.
1: Um,
2: So watching those movies, like I was sitting there, even as a young kid, not knowing, I had no idea what shot on video was. I just was like, I remember watching it for the first time. I think I was watching... Shit, it's, uh, God damn it. I wish I could, Oh, hey, 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 come to me, I'll tweet it out or something. <laughs> but I was watching it, and I was like, man, why does this look so funny? You know, and, and like I'm watching it and watching it, and I'm like, oh. you know, I was even noticing, I was like, this looks like a movie that somebody made, like, you know, as with a video camera. You know, I was like fucking eight or nine at the time. So I'm like thinking, oh my God, somebody like had a camera and made this movie like at home and you know, they put it on the shelf at video time. Like what is happening? You know, not knowing that this was a whole thing that people did. And you know, that's kind of my gateway into it. I then mean, cause I would rent more, you know, rent all these horror films there and you know, some I'd get the burning and then I would get things or, you know, I get, you know, beware children at play. And then I would get midnight intruders which is a soft core shot on video horror film. which is weird. <laughs> I watched that when I was like 10. That was the best night ever. Um, but watching those things like like that, it just, like, it always made me feel at home. So that's my experience of shot on video. So that's when I watch it, like, it makes me feel good inside because that's what I would have done at that time to try to get a movie made. Now, if you do it, you know, if you make shot on video now, it's just like, you pretentious dick (laughs) get your fucking iphone out like don't shoot on video because the reason why those guys shot on video is because they literally had no choice
0: yeah it was the cheapest thing the most accessible thing that they can do they
2: couldn't fucking buy like fucking kodak uh you know 16 tape and fucking then fucking have it edited and cut and then main, you know, maintain the quality of the tape, transporting it back. Well, there was no fucking. They didn't have access to labs and shit. You know, it was like, oh, just get out your fucking camera that you bought for five hundred dollars that weighs fifty pounds.
1: I saw um, short the other day that was in fourth, three that was made in like, two thousand and fourteen. I shut it off. I was pissed. I was like, you're dumb.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 like you're not hitting. It's not nostalgia. Like, I don't feel that shot on video is nostalgic at all. I believe I look at it and it's like, wow, these guys really had heart. They put so much into this and they wanted to make some grand movie to mm-hmm. compete with, you know, these other Friday the 13th films and stuff like that, all this well-produced stuff. And it's like, hey, you guys, what are you guys doing this weekend? Oh, nothing. You want to shoot a movie? Sure. And the guys never acted again. Some of them never directed again. They made a movie for some ungodly reason. Someone picked it up, you know, get it, gave it distribution. Sadly, you know, all those things died and there's hundreds of shot on video movies that are lost. But, you know, every once in a while, something like this survives and gains a caught following. I mean, this was made in 95, so it was, I think,
0: it's ninety four. It was like it was. Uh, they, it was made
2: for they. It got. I remember uh, Josh saying that this was put on public access. In yeah, Canada. yeah.
0: They they had two hundred fifty bucks. They had they had a lot of people kind of just donate stuff. Um, the community really kind of rallied around it. They got put it onto the public access just to fill time, and then all of a sudden people started like calling in to request that they the public access played, it, and it just kind of got more and more popular after that. I mean, it, yeah. the story is pretty great. It's, uh, it's, it's just really fun hearing them all talk about it because they never did really did it much afterwards. I think the director did, I mean, I think her first movie's on here and, um, but, uh, it's just great. I mean, it, 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 it made, it made me want to kind of just get out and gather some people and just make something, you know what I mean? It just, shoot it on
2: your iPhone though. Don't shoot, do it on,
0: shoot it on the iPhone. iPhone. You gotta do that. But
1: yeah, don't be a pretentious asshole.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah i mean, um it was a lot of fun like the the intervision did a great job bringing, you know severin uh they're they're a offshoot of Severin this did a really good job with this and and uh i was I was very happy to be i mean it's the story is very you know very classic sci fi there's a you know there's like a predator type you know alien being chased by a space cop, and of course they end up on earth right. And uh, there's a, there's a great scene where like wait are you
2: talking about phobe are you talking about dark angel
0: phobe <laughs> it was a joke <clears throat> yeah no like like I said it's then uh, the the story is very basic but there's a scene like where they're they're being chased by by the phobe and I love that they call it phobe and they go into like so a dance or somewhere and uh, they just start dancing like the the this cop and and the girl that he's you know. Hanging out with, trying to save or whatever, and uh, they just dance for a little bit to have a little little breather, you know. And it's just, and of course, the alien shows up again. And I don't know, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of heart to it, and they, they obviously, uh, you know, had a lot of fun making it, and it, it very much, you feel that through the film, and and it makes it that much more enjoyable. But yeah, I thought I was going to hate this thing, ended up loving it. So, all right, Brad, what what do you, uh, what do you have? Oh, Probably man.
2: 45 things. Yeah, it's close. Um, so next up, I've um, got some uh, Wild Eye um, releasing titles here, which I'm a, always a big fan of Wild Eye. And um, I've kind of put their catalog on hold because I get just too overwhelmed with life and movies. So They're I They're usually da- one of the more consistent companies, yeah. I think. Yeah. As you say that while eating. <laughs> Are you eating?
1: Dude, I haven't eaten all day. I have nachos <laughs> in my mouth. You're fucking welcome.
2: <laughs> so, um, this was, uh, first up is Hotel Inferno, which uh, is pretty insane. Um, there was a lot of talk when Hardcore Henry came out um, because Hardcore Henry claimed to be the first... You know, um, kind of POV, um, you know, film, uh, entire POV. Um, But Hotel Inferno did it first. But if you look back, the director of Hardcore Henry did a music video before Hotel Inferno almost a year. Um, So it kind of, I think Hotel Inferno got the idea from the music video. Uh, But this is technically the first action horror film uh that's uh, entirely pov um a lot of fun though because hardcore henry just doesn't do it for me it's just way too many gags and you literally can watch the extended trailer and you see every single thing that happens in the movie like there's nothing like there's nothing left to surprise you it's like oh wow cool that was a cool scene Wow, that was really neat too. But there's actually no story. Uh, same thing with Hotel Inferno. It's not really much of a story. However, you get to watch him battle zombies and use a chainsaw. And, uh, or actually, yeah, he uses a chainsaw, uses guns, uses grenades. Um, you know, and it's just it's amateur filmmaking, but also trying to do something a little more creative uh, without having, you know, millions of dollars. Um, kind of like how hardcore Henry had. Um, but I, I suggest if you do like wild eye stuff, which I highly recommend because, uh, they hit different, like you say consistent and you're right, but the movies are so different at times, but they pick stuff that's not picked up. Like, I guess people don't have the balls to pick up some of the titles that they do. I guess that would be the way to say it, because the films are good. It's just how do you market them? Like, have you seen Swamp Head, BJ?
1: No, I haven't. But oh. I did want to say that when Zach brought me food, he could, like, overhear kind of the conversation. He heard you talking about hardcore cut and would be disappointing. And he goes, tell him to watch Hotel Inferno instead.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually... <laughs> uh Zach tweeted the other day about it and I remember having it. Um and I, I saw it uh when it very, very first came out because it really appealed to me, but I watched it again um because number one, Wild Eye sent it to me, and number two, like Zach was like, Oh, I haven't seen that. And I want to talk about that on the show. But um a lot a lot of fun. Uh I highly recommend it. Uh, the voiceover is a little goofy, but it makes up with it with the gore. And fight sequences and shotgun blasts the head and exploding heads and everything exploding. Um, 100%. Uh, next up is another wild eye releasing. I don't know what to say about this because I do not know what to say. I literally don't. Um, we <laughs> talked about some shot on video just a second ago. And this is actually directed by a, you know, he was, he made, uh, he made some shot on video. He made, um... God, fuck! I now I forgot. Um, I have to actually look it up. I want to say Splatter Farm. Maybe that. Maybe that's it. Let's check, let, let me look it up. I'm do, I'm pulling a Sean.
0: What is
2: that? Is that like a? All right. So let's. I just want. I just want to verify before I say something like silly. Um. No, because that would be... That's not Donald Farmer. Uh, He didn't direct Splatter Farm. So anyways, I watched Shark Exorcist.
1: Oh, boy. Wow. So... (laughs) I haven't seen this, but the title, I'm already intrigued, and I need to know more.
2: So Donald Farmer made some shot-on-video films, uh, Vampire Cop... Um, the legendary Demon Queen, that was one of the most sought after video uh, VHS tapes ever. Um, uh, eventually released by Massacre Video, um, again, uh, to get it out there. Um, and he did also some kind of, uh, like, I Spit on Your Grave spinoffs. Uh, I think, like, Savage Vengeance was a movie. Um, it, it basically they have, like, the same covers I Spit on Your Grave, I think. It's been a while. So, anyways, when Donald Farmer was making a new movie, I was like, "Yikes! Like, what is that going to be like?" Um, and it's um, it's weird because it's literally Donald Farmer making a shot-on-video movie without a VHS, without a VC, uh, without a VHS recorder, with digital, and it's absurd. It really is. It's but it's 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 entertaining enough to think that this is actually something that he created in his head. Now I'm not sure if he I, I believe he let me look at the back here. Yeah, he did write it. Um so you're talking about a guy and it's only 70 minutes, so you're welcome, people. Um you, you it feels like three hours though. Um you're talking about a guy that has made low budget movies pretty much all his life and has loved what he's doing and has never, ever stopped. Um, and he was, he made films in, you know, the eighties into the nineties, two thousands, like the guy never gave up and he makes what he wants to. Like, it's not one of those things like, man, this guy just can't catch a break. No, these are the movies that he makes. So there's there's a lot of respect in the sense of like, obviously he was like, oh man, people love sharks. I'm going to do a shark movie. What's the most ridiculous thing I can think about? Oh, Shark Exorcist. But <laughs> I want to say... Shark
1: Exorcist sounds like one of those titles that you get from like those Facebook things that go around that's like, Your birthday month and the last letter of your name, like that doesn't sound like a real thing at all.
2: Well, I bet it was one of those things because I can only imagine sitting in a room with the filmmakers and they're trying to think of a, you know, a tagline. And then the tagline is said. And then I think that everybody was like, okay, we have the movie now. The tagline, (laughs) the tagline is. Satan has jaws <laughs> uh, and I was like how perfect is that <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty um, incredible it's definitely better than the movie but um if you enjoy really like it, even be as a bub uh if people uh, imagine only like three people probably know what I'm talking about right now he has a movie called like dick shark and you know he sure does
1: and i sure own it
2: (laughs) you know he he makes movies every weekend and then puts them out every other weekend but it is the same thing is 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 that guy he he makes movies for these like few fans that he has and he's making movies because he enjoys what he's doing so when you watch them you have a different you're viewing the movie differently because the same thing is when you know, if you showed me Shark Exorcist and it was a first-time director, I would throw the movie back at you and say, "Wow, Satan has jaws is a really good tagline, but this movie is not very good." But knowing that it comes from Donald Farmer and the guy just makes movies that he wants to and he enjoys it, I kind of get a kick out of that. I don't know, it's 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 a, it's a different viewing experience. Um, so next up is another Wild Eye releasing. Um, is the neon Dead which is super fucking fun. it's got a killer cover um, and surprisingly enough this like the creatures in this movie are really fucking cool. Um, if you took like some really really fucked up purge masks and you know had like bright eyes in them um, it's it's really cool but this is actually a comedy and a funny one. Um, Mainly because I say that is because I don't really laugh at comedies too much. So it's basically a a lady, she finds out that there's these zombie things in her house. So she calls a guy who works at a video store who basically has a business to get rid of these uh, zombie-esque things. Uh, very humorous. He has a buddy that tags along, and they're like, there's this whole story of exposition of where these things come from, you know, basically who they're commanded by, and the guy just kind of wants to kill him, and the other guy like, you know, is, is one of those friends that, you know, you would say Ouija, Ouija board, and they would say, oh, it's actually Ouija. They, there's one of those people, like, that always, okay. like, is your horror elitist or like has to know everything about the occult or something like that. So he's like constantly like telling them, Hey, this is what's actually happening. This is what we need to do. Um, it's just kind of a, like a buddy horror thing, but you know, obviously done on a budget, but really well done. Great, uh, you know, great creature effects because you could have easily just done zombies, but they did like, this neon shit with them. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, wild eye has some really fucking cool titles. Um, and it's definitely not for everybody. It's like a step above shot on video stuff. Um, but it's like stuff like swamp head and they did a really great throwback uh, film that they did called screen park. That's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend checking out their catalog if you enjoy, um, stuff like that. It's like almost like a better trauma, put it that way. Better trauma. Anything's better than trauma, though. What am I talking about? Um, next up was a Dark Sky Films release. This movie got a lot of fucking buzz at, um, at Toronto after dark, and I heard a lot of people talk about it. So I was really excited to see it because I looked at the front and I was like, man, like this is like Jim Van Beber and fucking John Carpenter type shit. Like I'm looking at it. It's called the Demolisher. I mean, already I got a boner. Um and the guy's like decked out in riot gear with like two fucking, you know, nightsticks. And it's about how his uh his wife was attacked. Um, she was a police, uh, a, a police woman and she got attacked and she's, um, she's crippled. And so he just goes out at night in this, like, he works his day job, but he goes out at night in this riot gear and he just fucking pummels, uh, you know, people, uh, mostly people that are committing crimes or they look like they're shisty. He just beats the shit out of them. Um, pretty cool concept. I think, uh, but that's the plot and it's really appealing. It's just that I thought it would be more like psychological with between him and his, um, his wife. But it's like, I don't know. It just, it doesn't want to have any teeth and it just wants to be kind of bro shit. Like the guy's like always like going crazy and like, Tearing things apart and like when he's not in right gear, and I don't know, it just doesn't achieve that. Have you guys ever seen Rampage? Yes, oh yeah, the the Uva Bowl film, Uva Bowl, yeah, yeah. So, you know how it's like you get to meet him before, yeah, it is, but. (laughs) I mean, it is shit, and it has a trilogy for some weird reason.
0: I I didn't really like that. I felt really bad watching it.
2: Exactly. But it achieved that. That's what it's supposed to do. Um, Even though the movie's not good, it makes you feel like you're watching something you're not supposed to.
1: Yes, I do agree with
2: that. And it feels very real, because the reason why it feels real is because you really get to know that kid and then you watch something that you know what's going to happen and you hear about it and you see about, and you see it all the time. So when it all unfolds, it has a big impact. It, you may not like the movie and then I don't think you're supposed to. I, not because it's U of a Bull, but I just don't, I think it's a very, it's a very touchy subject.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But the only reason they reach that is because if you had just had a movie about a guy shooting up a place, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But being that you actually, you know, get up close and personal with him and it's very invasive into his life and invasive into his normal like well being and his normal like social life, it really affects us when he puts on the gear and he starts killing innocent people. That's what I should have felt with the demolisher I felt, but I just it didn't achieve it. Um, And it also has a sense score and, like, some, like, new wave 80s music. And it feels really good when that starts playing, but, like, it doesn't get that character right, it feels. So, um, anyways, watch it. Tell me what you think.
0: What was was Um, the name of
2: it? The Demolisher. The Demolisher. And it's, like, when he finds you, run. And, like, it feels like it's going to be, like, some kind of, like, Deadbeat at Dawn Escape from New York, Maniac Cop movie, and it's none of those. I like vigilante movies, and it doesn't feel like a vigilante. It feels like there's some dudes like having some aggro problems. Um, next up was uh, Arrow Video. I tell you what, man, these guys release Suture which was a movie that I saw for the first time this year. It was made in 1993. I went on about it pretty hardcore on one of our shows. I mean, we're also talking about, like, in the UK, these guys are releasing Night of the Hunter. Uh, They're, you know, fucking releasing Woody Allen movies. And then they release Microwave Massacre. And it's like, how cool is that, that you have a company that is so diverse that they want to release, like, Pure, like, like, Rafifi for crying out loud. And they release, release Jules Dassin films. But then they're like, Oh, remember that movie that came out where the guy fucking eats people because he gets tired of, uh, you know, special lunches when he's on his construction site. So he ends up killing his wife and then eating her body. And then he has a need to feed for people. So he dates women and then he eats them. Like. That's the fucking plot of Microwave Massacre. And it's just, and it's so goofy. Um, it's the movie that probably Troma wishes that they were completely behind and, and did. Um, but it has such, and the reason why I like Microwave Massacre is because we have, um, you know, J- Jackie Vernon is the fucking lead in the film. If you have any idea who Jackie Vernon is, he's a hilarious comedian. Um, And he just becomes this cannibal. And and you look at Jackie Vernon and you're like, man, you're the star of this movie too? Like, that's hilarious. Like, you just don't see a lot of, you know, they always pick the really clean cut, good looking people. Like, Jackie Vernon's like in his 60s. And, you know, he's overweight. And he's still funny. But, like, it's like, thank you for picking somebody that's just a normal looking person because people are like, Oh wow, that guy's fat. You know, that always happens in fucking horror films. It's like, Ugh. no, it's like that's a normal looking person. That's the more believable than the fucking soap opera characters that we have most of the time. And, you know, it's just an odd placement as a star, but it works so perfectly. And I mean, it is a ridiculous movie. It's really, really funny. And it, it's pure '80s. It's pure '80s, like schlock and sleaze, and 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 it's and it's perfect. Um, so definitely pick that up. I don't know if a lot of people that are, I don't know if a lot of people watch Microwave Massacre because mainly because of the price point, not because it's <laughs> the movie, but the price point of these uh, Arrow titles are pretty high up there. But um, trust me, Microwave Massacre is one of the better insane uh, '80s. Kind of comedies. If you love trauma stuff, you'll love this. Um, even a non trauma fan like myself, I enjoy Microwave Massacre quite a bit. And it's also another movie that's just, they give like this great treatment, um, and do basically brand new interviews, um, you know, taking the time To go through and releasing a movie like this and not just doing a bare-bones disc is pretty admirable. Like, going above and beyond. I mean, they did the same thing. Like, even though the Satan's Blade fucking special features are really goofy, but those are so humorous because they're so weird. Um, But it it, it works, 100%. And since we're talking about Arrow, I got around to watching um, Slugs. Because it looks like... uh, (laughs) Yeah! Yeah! It looks like uh Arrow is going through um uh, image uh images catalog. Um because they're doing Chud, they're doing this, they're doing Vamp, so that means that we're gonna probably get Dead Heat, um, probably Reanimator, um some other probably cool shit. Too bad they didn't get assault on pre thirteen. But anyways. Um that's fucking Screen Factory did the exact same fucking transfer on that shit. And mm. it looks like garbage. Um, so anyways, uh, I don't know. Like I feel it's here's the thing is that I get a little, uh, I guess warped horror warped. I guess you could say I was at fantastic fest. And I don't know if I mentioned this on the last show. Uh, Stop me. If I did, Sean, if you actually listen to me when I talk, okay. um, we were talking about horror, horror and BJ, you could probably speak on behalf of this too, is that, when they do like these all night horror things, they do these like 24 hour horror marathons, 12 hour horror marathons. I always look at the lineup and Mm -hmm. we looked at like dismember the Alamo, which they do like, this is like their fifth or sixth year they're doing it. And you know, the films that play, they played, you know, the beyond they played pieces and I'm like,
1: why, why pieces is playing at our, at the one that we're doing. I I'm almost positive. It's going to be like the same lineup as what, you guys had
2: yeah so it's like i hear those and i'm like i don't want to go to that because i've seen all those movies i want something crazy like why are they showing movies that everybody has seen well that's not the case apparently (laughs) because um i was talking to people that go to those frequently and they always ask before the show they're like how many people have seen this and the uh, whole entire audience raises their hand we were at fantastic fest One of the biggest genre festivals in the world. Before Phantasm played, they said how many people haven't seen Phantasm? At least 90% of the theater raised their hand. And I sat back and I was like, what?
1: No way.
2: It was ridiculous. And it made me feel really good because – in a way I felt like I was watching the movie for the first time again, because that's what I love to do is I love to show people movies that I've seen to watch their reactions, to see if it impacted them the same way it did me. And so that I was like, Oh fuck it. The, I guess these horror things are doing it right because they're playing. Cause I was talking to Jay Hawkinson and he was like, yeah, he's like when they play the beyond m- most of the audience, cause we're so saturated in horror every day. Mm-hmm. I guess we don't think, about general public and the general horror fan. You know, we think about the hardcore people, but I mean, even you, Sean, we'll talk about movies and there's stuff that we grew up with that you haven't seen. Yeah. It's the same thing, you know?
1: Like I'm even experiencing that now where I'm, you know, we're trying to do promotions for silence, the musical. And we're like, yeah, it's a musical based on silence of the lambs. And it's definitely like, you have to have seen the movie to understand a lot of the jokes and you know i'm trying to promote this show and i am overwhelmed with the amount of people that have never seen the silence of the lambs and i'm like this movie won a fucking oscar like if if there is anything that is mainstream horror it is this and people just were like yeah i've never actually seen it like i know you know the mask and i know the the buffalo bill talk but i only know that from clerks too and i'm like what (laughs) like what the fuck it's, yeah. it's I, I don't know, like, sometimes I think it's really hard for, for me to realize that because, you know, I'm just so immersed in it and it's such a major part of who I am and what I like that I forget that, you know, people exist that don't know anything about it, you know? like. Yeah. Like, our our setup or our 12 hours of terror that's coming up this weekend has pieces, and I'm really excited about it because I've never seen pieces on the big screen. And they were advertising it at Cinema Wasteland, which Cinema Wasteland is like a hardcore convention in the sense that the movies that they celebrate there are movies that no one fucking remembers or talks about. Like, they did a street trash reunion for God's sakes. Like, for people like us, like, that's amazing, that's super cool, but everyone else is like, it's not The Walking Dead. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, and even there, people are like, whoa, pieces? Like, I've never actually seen that. And I'm like, what? 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 Who are you people?
2: Yeah. So, like, but when fantasm? stuff comes
1: up. Oh, God. Like, sorry. Sorry but for it's one-
2: you. No, 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 no. No, it's fine. I'm glad you said something because, like, you know, it makes me, like, here's the thing is that I don't want to be that person that like, oh, man, you haven't seen Slugs? Are you a fucking idiot? No, it's like, man, you haven't seen Slugs? Like, I would want to watch that movie with you. Like that—that's how I feel. Like I never like you have those horror elitists that are like, "Oh wow, you've never seen Reanimator." Like oh, number one, fucking Reanimator is not all that great, motherfucker. Ooh,
0: you shut your <laughs> whore mouth. <laughs>
2: I'm just kidding. I like Reanimator, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just like people always make people feel, you know, they belittle them when they're like, "Oh, you haven't seen that." Well, you know, I never want to do that. So, like, if you haven't seen Slugs, good for you because you're in for a fucking treat. If you've seen it, then you know how great it is. Um, so, but Slugs is one of those movies that, like, I feel like I, I remember, like, I had a really funny experience happening, happening with this. Uh, this is really, like, this is a true story. This doesn't sound real, but it is. So, um, I would rent movies all the time when I was little. Um, and, uh, when there was sexy time in the movies, I would rewatch those portions. Um, you know, when I was in bed, uh, pop in the tape and, and rewatch it and, you know, do a little hanky panky. Um, sometimes my parents would go over next door. It'd be really funny if my mom was to this show. Um, my, uh, my parents would go next door and play cards, um, with the neighbors. Um, so Slugs was one of those movies that I popped in for the first time watching it, was really digging it. And there's a, a sex scene in the movie that could be considered pretty sexy for, you know, a nine year old kid, maybe 11. I don't know. I can't remember how old I was, but I got into it. And if you know how your VCRs are set up, you could do your A, B playback and just kind of, uh, you know, You'd have that portion where you could not AB playback. That's on DVDs. What was the tape position thing? God, auto. You guys, BJ. Know, you never know porn. It's 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 it's.
1: Sorry, the I was shoving food in my mouth. What? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's on on your tapes, uh, like on VCRs. There was a thing because basically, when you take your parents' porn and put it in, you don't want to get off of that section that they left off of because they might see it. So what was the button that you could hit and then you could play it but rewind it and it would stop at that position?
1: I have no idea. What kind of newfangled VCR did you have, Spaceman? No,
2: no, this was a very, 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 very common thing. Oh, I
1: have no idea. Mine definitely didn't have that. Uh, That's crazy, though. I wish I would have known about that.
2: It's on everything. Uh, Is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm also
1: a small child compared to you, so forgive me. Yeah, and you're younger. You would have had this for sure. I have no idea. Maybe I just grew up not knowing how to actually use my VCR. We sure shit didn't ever set the clock on it, so.
2: Oh, uh, it it was blinking all the time?
1: (laughs) Yep, because I had no idea how to set it.
2: My mom didn't either, so she always like had a rag on top of the VCR block <laughs> to block the button. But anyways, it, it, was this, it was this button that you could hit. So basically, when you put your tape in, you could hit the button, and uh, it would mark the tape um, to where, if you rewound it, that's where it would stop. So basically, I hit it in the beginning of that sex scene, and then the sex scene would end, and then... It, I would hit rewind and then it would stop and play again. Kind of like the AB thing where you could repeat scenes on, you know, DVDs and stuff. You basically a loop in a way, I guess you could say. So there's a way to loop a uh, VCR in a, uh, but it was mainly just, I think it was invented for porn for kids, to be honest with you. Once <laughs> you found out that button existed, it was a lot easier. You didn't have to remember because you were all nervous getting the tape anyway. Like you're going to forget, um, you know, was it before the money shot, after the money shot, during the money shot? Like, what happened? Um, so anyways, long story short, I was doing that. And um, I kind of, you know, did my thing and then fell asleep. So I was like half naked. And, you know, I locked my bedroom door. So my parents came home and I fell asleep. So the tape's still playing. You know, not that sequence because it doesn't – I had to hit rewind for it to loop. So the movie's still playing. I'm, like, have my pants off. My mom's banging on my bedroom door yelling because I didn't answer the front door because I was sleeping. So I'm, like, trying to scramble to pull up my pants and, like, trying to, like – I'm half asleep, have my pants off trying to cover up that I didn't masturbate in my room while you guys were over there, to the movie Slugs with the sex scene. And if anybody knows the scene I'm talking about, the guy gets eaten and his girlfriend gets eaten like right after, so it's <laughs> not that appealing. Um, but, hey, it's boobs. What do you want? So, I don't hear you guys laughing, so now I feel embarrassed telling that story. <laughs> so, um... Slugs is out on Blu-ray, and I watched that sequence with a smile on my face. Um, no hanky-panky. I save that for the vinegar syndrome stuff. <laughs> so Slugs finally got a a Blu-ray release. It was on DVD for years from Image. Uh, they picked it up. They did a 2K restoration from the original negative. They put um, plenty of special features on here, uh, interviews um, with the actors, uh, special effects guys. Um, a great audio commentary with, um, Chris Alexander, um, who's pretty funny and, 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 loves the film. And, um, just all around good time. Feels like you're watching a movie with one of, you, you know, if you're a horror nut, you feel like you're watching a movie with, like, another fan, uh, talking about the movie, making fun of it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a really fun movie. Um, but it's completely absurd too because they're literally, man-eating slugs.
0: Yeah, they have, like, mouths and teeth.
2: But if they're slugs. Yeah. The thing that would... It's like... It, there's so many things in this movie don't match up. Number one, slugs are eating people. Number two, like... Spoiler alert. um, They, like, find... Like, they're talking about where the lair is in this, and they're like, oh, we're just gonna kill that, we'll kill the slugs. What about the fucking million of slugs that are out attacking people? Like, did they all come home? No. Because they're slow, motherfucker. They get lost. They're not driving, they're not fucking riding back to the hive. No, they're out and about, they're eating people. Like, you know, also the guy that fucking eats one, what the fuck happens? Why do you, like, explode? Like there's so many, there's what there's three sequences where people literally explode because they have slugs in them. Yeah, what is what is happening? I don't know. Who knows, <laughs> dude? <laughs> and the fucking music in this movie doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's so intense. The music's so intense, and you're like, oh shit! Like they're driving down the road, and you're like, oh man, this music is intense. And then they stop, and you're like, oh fuck, this movie's about slugs. Like what the fuck? Like it's almost like a comedy because they're putting that music in it.
0: Yeah, it just—I need to watch this again. Last time I, when I first saw it, I was uh pretty intoxicated, so I'm I'm excited to <laughs> finally sit down and watch this. But in HD, it, the,
2: like the main guy, he's he's so charismatic. He's he's so great. Um, was it Michael Michael Garfield, which you, you'll recognize. He plays in a lot of fucking movies and shit. So. You know, he's so he, he's very charismatic. He's got a great on-screen presence. But my favorite part is that he like finds out about the man-eating slugs first. And he prefaces each time he tells people, "You're not going to believe this. We have man-eating slugs." But when anybody tries to tell him something, he's like, "No, I don't believe it." <laughs> He, like, denies, like, everything till he's blue in the face. Like, people telling him, like, what's, like, this is our thing. Like, hey, the slugs are living underground. Oh, oh, I don't believe they're living in the sewer, no. I found a whole entire eaten dog down there. Oh, no, 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 no. Man-eating slugs wouldn't do that. Like, it's very much like David the Rock Nelson and Devil Ant. I, this is twice i mentioned David the Rock Nelson. David Bravo, Brett. Dwayne? No, David the Rock Nelson.
0: David the Rock Nelson. Sorry, getting skins, getting uh, Are confused you, like, with Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
2: <laughs> well, dude, Dwayne fucking David the Rock Nelson will tell you there's only rock, <laughs> only one rock in his life, and that's him. All right. So, anyways, he has this. He has this movie called Devil Land, and in in the film, uh, David David the Rock Nelson plays multiple characters in his film. And he talks to himself, and he plays the detective, he plays the victims. And so, like, there's this one sequence, and I think it's Devil Ant, Josh Johnson can correct me, is that he's on the he's playing the detective, and he's on the phone, and he's getting this call saying that there's this Devil Ant. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I don't believe in any Devil Ant. He's like, but the Wolfman? Yeah, I believe in the Wolfman. Sharp teeth, a lot of hair, yeah, but the Devil Ant? That's a bunch of bullshit. I don't believe that at all. And he just like goes – and it's and it's comical, but he goes through like all this shit about how he doesn't believe, but he believes – well, he believes in all this shit but the devil ant. And that's kind of what I felt like in Slugs. Like every time you try to tell this guy something, even though he's the one that discovers the man-eating slugs, he kind of doesn't – he kind of shuns everybody away. Like he pre- he has a preface every time he talks to somebody, this is crazy. But I mean you think he would learn i'm just saying it's a fucking fun movie though don't i'm i'm not trying to talk people out of it by any means (laughs) but it's a lot of fun it's ridiculous it's crazy go watch it um next up was uh how many more
0: do you have left we're going on almost an hour and a half of what's on your doorstep
2: hey people like this shit i was just gonna say that Uh, we still
0: have like eight movies to talk about at least
2: we're not going to be talking that long about fucking corporate assets. <laughs> um, so next up was uh, I talked about this last year, Fantastic Fest. Uh, Sean, I don't have you watched The Mind's Eye yet.
0: I keep telling uh, I keep telling the PR person I'll be watching it, so I'm going to be watching it this week. That tomorrow, means, actually, no.
2: that means yeah. no. Um, so. Joe Bigos, he, he followed up with Almost Human with the Mind's Eye. Um, even though this quote is out of context from um, Rob Hunter from Phelps School Rejects, <laughs> the quote is on the front, the best Scanners sequel we never got. That's a great quote. However, it's out of context. <laughs> He's saying at most <laughs> the best sequel to Scanners that we never got. Um, but anyways, it's um, it's very much like a... Scanners-type thing set in, like, 1990. Joe Bigos does all his, like, little homage stuff. Um, Almost Human, I felt like there was a lot more heart. I really loved Almost Human quite a bit. Um, This one felt a little cheap. Uh, Didn't feel like it was all there. Um, But let let me know what you guys think. Um, I've watched it twice. I'm like, nah. It's okay.
0: Yeah. I I enjoy it. I'll report back next week and I should be getting a a review up on the site this week.
2: Oh, good job, Sean. Mm -hmm. So this is my uh, last one as you can like breathe. God bless. Um, (laughs) So, well, it's just my favorite one. This is my five star, five star film. Um, I got to see this last year and it's just released on Blu-ray. I think this past Tuesday was uh, Unearthed Films put this out. They put out uh, Francesca, which is a um, modern giallo film. Um, one of probably the better giallo films follows suit of the style, um, the formula, uh, very generic in that aspect. But it's really impressive of how they made it. Um, I... Wish There's a behind-the-scenes featurette, which I will get to, um, because I really hope they talk about how they made this movie look the way it did. It feels like they filmed it with just whatever, and then put fucking 15,000 filters on this movie. But at times, it truly feels like it's right out of the 70s. Um, great soundtrack. The filmmaker behind this kind of did everything with, uh, I guess it's a... I don't know if it's uh, brothers or brother and sister, but they did the music they wrote it, they produced it, they uh, directed it um, but it's literally perfect. it's um, such a great like it's, it's not even you can't even say it's a throwback because they don't really acknowledge any other giallos they kind of just do their own thing and that's what I loved about it. I think that's why uh, Amir. Uh, that came out in like 2009 works so well. It's because in Barbarian sound studios, because like, Oh, we're not going to do homages or anything. We're going to make a Giallo film, a modern Giallo film um, and do it our way. This, they make it feel like it's in the seventies just by the look of the film. Um, However, and also technology, but it just, it feels so good. And it, hits everything right like these people that made this film were obviously like huge huge yellow lovers and um just hit every point from the creepiness level to um the kills to the story and good god the ending's so fucking good um And just all around a great film. Um, Put forth the money. It's a little bit more expensive. Uh, Unearthed Films was always cheap, but they're doing like these fucking huge packs now where they're doing a Blu ray DVD soundtrack and like limited collector's edition box. So it gets a little pricey. Um, But you get the soundtrack, and the soundtrack's really, really fucking good. Um, It's like its own thing. It's not like reminiscent of Goblin or, you know cone, even though I think they were obviously inspired by, uh, Morcone more than they were Goblin by any means. But, um, they hit all the notes correctly. And that's what's so fascinating about the film is because we're watching a modern Giallo film that if you screened it to me, um, not knowing as much as I know, like if you screened it to some, just some rando, like they would totally believe this shit was made in the seventies that at times you can tell like by the movement of the people and the camera movement, it dates it a little bit. You're like, Oh shit, this isn't old. Um, but for the most part, they keep it up. Probably 98% of the time. And it's pretty goddamn impressive. So if you like Giallo films, if you like horror films, watch it. If you like Giallo films, you're going to be in for a real big fucking treat because uh, modern Giallo's dead. Um, or Giallo's dead. Modern Giallo is trying to put movies out. They do it maybe two movies a year, if that. Um, so it's pretty cool that people are uh, doing this and especially doing it well. So definitely pick it up.
1: And now the doorstep is closed. Holy <laughs> shit.
0: Alright, so uh, we're going to try to dive into some of these Vinegar Syndrome titles that have come over, out over the past uh, few months. We're going to dig into some things that were released in July and their August package Um Let's go ahead and start with these, uh, the Rudy Ray Moore. What do you guys think? We can look, cause he, cause we had a Rudy Ray Moore come out in July and then August. So we got, yeah. uh, uh, Petey Wheatstraw came out in July and then in August we followed up with Disco Godfather. And we've talked about Rudy Ray Moore quite a bit on the show already and his movies kind of have a, uh, style and, uh, they have, they, they kind of have their a own style. They're about him. Yeah. <laughs> it is oh, there, the Rudy Ray Moore formula. Of
1: out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like dying as I'm laughing. <laughs>
0: it's a very much uh his own pet projects, very much all about him. And you're always gonna have some sort of dance sequence. Uh, you have some stand-up comedy from him, and you're gonna have some sort of uh, you know, musical uh performances as well. So I think Disco Godfather and Pete Wheatstraw. Hit all of those, uh, all of those, right? And, uh, it's just the subject matter is just different. We got Petey Wheatstraw, which is a man that basically, uh, gets given powers by the devil, Is it to save his, uh, is it to save his uh, disco or his club again? I mean, he always has a club he's trying to save, right? I think you're getting the movies <laughs> confused. Tell me on here, I'm getting him confused. I think you are
3: getting movies confused. <laughs> <laughs> Cause
0: yeah. there's another one of his movies where he had to save, uh, his, uh, his bar, he's, his club. He's gotta,
2: he's gotta save something.
0: Remind me, remind me what Petey straws about, Brad. Well. Number so one. I'm getting across the Disco Godfather right now. Well,
2: here, here's here's the thing. Number one is that Rudy Ray Moore did his, you know, Human Tornado and Dolomite, which yes. that was his Dolomite character. And being that, you know, that was all fun and games, he went on to do, I think Disco Godfather was next. Or actually, no, I think Petey Wheatstraw was next. Check out the years. Petey on Wheatstraw
0: that. was 77, Disco Godfather 79.
2: Okay, 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 okay. So, um, This was this. This is the kung fu because now I'm getting confused. This was the kung fu one, right? Pete Wee straws yeah, yeah, yeah. He has,
0: God- he has kung fu, but he, yeah, right.
2: Yeah, Disco Godfather is the kind of the devil, double, devilish one.
0: No, no, um, no, no. no. Pete Wee Straw is the devilish one.
2: I then you know what? I am done. <laughs> Now See. I'm confused. Here's the thing: <laughs> is that I love Rudy Ray more, but his movies tend to run together. I can't tell you what happened to Human Tornado or Dolomite. All like, I I'll, know, oh, I know what happened in them, but I get them confused.
0: All I know is in Petey Wee's Draw, he like these really badly made up de- demons uh, come out, and and he has to fight them because they
2: kill they kill his they kill his friends. Yes, <clears throat> because that that's what happens. So the, the they um. This was the Kung Fu, the Kung Fu ladies. They have the room of the Kung Fu ladies, right? Am I getting a total another movie Holy screwed shit. up right now?
0: Yeah. I, okay. Wow. I thought this would be easy, but now that I'm, like now, now that I'm sitting here thinking about them, I'm like, they're both kind of crossing streams.
2: Well, it's been like um, probably like months and I since I've seen that.
0: So here we go. I'm going to read the synopsis. The the reason why here we go. the
2: reason why no no not read the synopsis. The reason why we're getting these confused is Disco Godfather has a lot of devil imagery. <laughs> like it has like that fucking like there's some really like creepy fucking scenes in Disco.
0: Yeah, Godfather. Yeah 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 yeah
2: yeah. So, but anyways, um,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so. Let's, I'm going to start over on this note is that Rudy Ray Moore is back and he's doing another character which what was his name PD Wheatstraw let's just do that one yeah so this was the film and I'm going I'm going to get this he has he, he is a comedian he is a stand up comedian we can't say that he's in the night club
0: he, he does kung fu
2: he does kung fu, and then his friends are killed.
0: Him, him, and his friends are killed, and he ends him up and in and hell. Him and his friends are killed. Are you there?
2: This is where he fights the devil's daughter, right?
0: Yeah, he, he ends up in hell. He works out a deal with the devil to come back, and the devil says, "All right, I'll let you come back. I'll give you this awesome pimp cane, but pimp cane. you have to marry my daughter, and she, and she's and she's ugly as hell." literally and he basically spends the rest of the movie wielding these powers and tr- basically trying to trick the devil uh in many little uh you know, trying to oh, trick the lucifer devil. yeah trying the, fucking, to tr-
2: the guy is lucifer that yeah is fucking hilarious he has like a
0: little jogging suit and he ends up jogging he's like hey buddy um uh, so he he his whole, his, the whole rest of the movie is him trying to cheat the devil and not have to marry his ugly daughter well because, basically is, is the, uh, because he
2: says the that plot. he'll he'll grant him life if he marries the devil's daughter. Right. And then he tries to figure out um Because he he, he tries to get out of it then because of the ugly daughter.
0: Yes. That's basically the plot. Ah, there we go. We, there we, we, got, go. There. we got there. Holy shit. <clears throat> so that that's that's Pete Wheatstraw. So basically Pete Wheatstraw It's, it's the basic Dolom, it's the basic Dolomite Rudy Moore stuff just with that plot. And, uh, hijinks ensue. And, uh, that's about it. I promise, I
2: promise I watched the movie, uh, his name, Rudy Ray Moore. I promise I watched it. It's just just that you movies run together so bad. Well, he,
0: he does have that form, like there's a formula he has. You know, you, you know, you're going to have, the stand-up. You, you, you're you going to have the same types of things in each of these films. It's just, what's the theme of the film? What's the plot of the film? So that's Peter Wheat's draw. The disc looks great. You know, as usual. And, they, and they're continuing this interview with um, uh, with Rudy Ray Moore. So they got I, Dolom, I, Dolomite Part 3 on here. and It's a lot of fun listening to him talk about those. So Disco Godfather... Let's try to get this plot going on this one.
2: Ah. Uh, disco so, Godfather, I know. There's because this he new operates, drug he,
0: in the community.
2: Angel dust. Angel dust. So, basically, um, he, plays a, he plays a cop or a retired cop? He was a cop. He's a cop.
0: But he's um, the king of the disc. He's the disco Godfather.
2: <laughs> but he, he has another disco in this movie that he <laughs> runs and operates.
0: <laughs> this is the thing. If you pulled
2: out... The fucking disco to these movies, they would probably make more sense.
0: Cause there's so, they're, this saying. one, there's so many disco dance sequences. And he's in that like sequin weird disco suit and he throws down some disco moves.
2: Put your weight on it. <laughs> That's what he says. Um, and it's actually, uh, this one is a little bit more tame.
0: Yeah, because it was like it was rated PG.
2: Oh, it was?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh shit. I, didn't I think know he,
0: that. he wanted a message to like an anti-drug message. He was very big on making sure this film had an anti-drug message. And there's like one scene in the film that's just like this lecture on how bad drugs are and all this stuff. Um Yeah, this this one like he actually had a message he wanted to get across.
2: Hmm. Well this is uh yeah, this is one of his Yeah, this is one of his later movies, so that would probably make sense. Until he did, like, Return of Dolomite and stuff. Right. So, I mean, this is his, like, what, his fifth movie? And then, I mean, he came back as Dolomite, but, I mean, this is kind of the end of his career. Yeah. Like, he was in movies and shit, but I think this was his last like his last big movie that he starred in. Cuz so I honestly I don't think these movies caught on to the extent cuz I remember Disco Godfather being a little bit more memorable, but that's because of the imagery and the crazy batshit stuff that happens in the film. Right. Like the the ghost lady that shows up, you know? But um I mean there's even um like I mean, there's obviously more kung fu and fighting in the film. But, like, there's this really, like, I I guess it has to deal with the drugs, is that there's a lot of, like, hallucinations, I guess you could say. Because, like, he looks at people and then totally has, like, that, I don't know. It's just that there's a lot of just weird imagery in the film. And when you watch it, it doesn't feel like a Rudy Ray Moore movie. Because it's just so kind of off the wall and unlike anything that he's ever done,
0: well, those sequences, um, but like i said the the formula of the film like very much is is and more, but yeah, I mean Pe Westraw and disco Godfather, he's trying things a little bit different with the imagery for sure, he's trying to go a little darker and trying trying to be a little bit different than just like a standard kind of exploitation film like the dolomite ones, yeah. But, but yeah, but I, mean, I mean, I never figured I'd, I'd be watching this much Rudy Ray Moore this year. I well, can't believe I've seen so many Rudy Ray Moore. The thing
2: movies. is, is that you watch them because they're fun, but you watch them back to back, you don't know what you watch.
0: <laughs> I, that's, I made the mistake of watching them back to back. Because in the same day.
2: <laughs> yeah, because I think Petey Wheatstraw and Disco Godfather go hand in hand, but they're completely different from Dolomite and Human Tornado, but those two movies are the same movie. Yeah. Like, um, you know, but it's, it, it really is because it's like, it's like, hey, we should do a movie. Okay, cool. I'll be in it. I'll be the star. Put everything around me. What should we do? Yeah. That's kind of how these movies were made, it feels like. So you can't really be too creative because yeah. it's all, all the same shit. Um, but fun nonetheless, but it's just, you know, it, it can be a little, the, it, he can be a little overwhelming.
0: Yeah. BJ, did you get a chance to see Disco Godfather?
2: I did get a chance to see Disco Godfather. What are your
0: thoughts?
1: I mean, it's fun. I think that all of the Rudy Raymore films are a lot of fun. Um, I want to do a movie marathon of just movies with disco in the, <laughs> in the title of it. Like the Disco Exorcist and Disco Godfather. Um, but I'm almost positive I talked about Disco Godfather. Um, Mm-hmm. on the last episode I was on because it was, yeah, yeah, was like it's... fresh in my doorstep. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so that, those are the Rudy Ray Moore ones. Um, I, it's what a, what a time to be living. We got Rudy Ray Moore on Blu-ray. I think it's ex- all these exclusively through vinegar syndrome. Is there any other ones that, that, that are out that th- these are the only Rudy Ray Moore movies on Blu-ray? Yeah. So yeah. But
2: he, he had his, he had his box set that came out, okay. um,
0: a, a while TV ago, set. but
2: yeah, um, but these these movies were in it, and yeah. so was the stand up and everything. But like I said, there's just only so much Rudy Ray, so much Rudy Ray more you can take.
0: Yeah, let's um, let's move on to another to one more black exploitation here, and we'll, we'll cover the the rest of these. I want to get to um, the August the August uh, package here soon. But one surprise for me was um, Candied Hangerine Man.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I really, really, really like that this one. This is
0: uh, this is directed by Matt Clymer and the disc Simber. Is, what? what are you talking about? It's Matt Simber. 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 Sorry. It's dark in here. I, I only have like one light on. Matt Simber. Yeah, but um,
2: he's a notorious director. He's done so much cool shit.
0: Well, he, we have two movies on here. We have Candy Tangerine Man and Lady Coco. Um, Candy Tangerine Man is about a guy. He, he's a pimp. In the city in L.A. and uh, doing his thing there, and then on the uh, the weekends he goes home and he lives out you know out in the suburbs, and uh, there's kind of this dichotomy with him, you know these two two separate lives, um, and like I I really liked that aspect of the film, like um, and. I really want to to see this again to, to rewatch it because I feel like there's a lot that I miss. But it's a really it's actually a really good film. Like there's a yeah, lot no, going it's, on. It's,
2: it's 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 um it's completely different from kind of what I grew up watching Matt Simber films because you know and especially being a black exploitation film, um, it. I mean, he plays, let's see, is it was his, what is his name, John John Daniels, the actor? Yeah. So anyways, uh, he plays, um, is he, he has like the suburban, you know, husband, normal life as uh, Ron Lewis, and then uh, basically at night, um, he becomes the Baron, um, and he's kind of relentless, and he's kind of a dick yeah. and he's um you know he's a threat in he like has this like normal life outside of it and he lives this double life in in the film and um he gets uh closer and closer to knowing that his days are numbered because of the racist cops. And this movie is pretty racist. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a black exploitation film, but it really like kind of it's a little mean.
0: Yeah, at the, the cops are assholes. For sure.
2: Right, right. No, it's just it gets it gets a little it gets a little mean. And that's why I liked it a lot more is because, you know, it was actually dealing with like with racism and like, he's not. I guess he is kind of a asshole pimp too, but I mean, hey people fear people fear him. You gotta because, get the
0: job done. You gotta make that bread.
2: I guess so. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that what you say? That's like, what I is say. That, is that That's like a say. thing?
0: Every day in, in going to the office, I, I, I walk past my bread. boss and I'm like, Psh, gotta throw it down and make that bread.
2: That makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, it's just a really well-made movie. Uh, you know, Matt Simber has done well, he, some yeah. incredible films. He we did. We talked you know, about
0: uh, Witch Who Came From the Sea, and that, and that started all to click together. We talked about quite a bit, uh, a lot about him on, on that episode about Witch Who Came From the Sea.
2: Yeah, I mean, he did, um, but he's also made some, you know, killer black exploitation films in the past, and he has a really cool revenge one that... Vinegar Syndrome owns, and I hope that they do a Blu-ray of it uh, called The Black Six. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did that before uh, Candy Tangerine Man. But he's kind of all over the place, but he, you know, he went in making, I don't know, I mean, we even take Candy Tangerine Man, but I think pairing it with uh, with Lady Coco, uh, even though it's just the same director it is a different style of black exploitation filmmaking because lady coco is not really a black exploitation action movie it's very you know it's more of a thriller you know a, almost like a crime drama where it's not like a normal black exploitation film where it's about putting down the man it's you know literally about a guy trying to uh you know, it, it's basically the plot of Smoke and Aces, but not as grand as people coming after her, hmm. you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's very laid back. Um, you know, it, it's one of those films that takes a while to get going. Um, because I, I remember, what, cause this is my first time seeing Lady Coco, watching Lady Coco, and thinking it was like, man, this is it's just oddly paced for a black exploitation film because we're so used to, you know, Rudy Ray Moore movies and, you know, Fred Williamson movies, um, of it being action packed, of you know, killing killing Whitey and being violent and very funny, um, to being kind of a more serious take on black exploitation, making it more of a movie, um, rather than, you know, something like Oh, we have this idea, we're gonna do that. But definitely have a little bit of character building and you know things like that with with uh, kind of the relationship that builds and and kind of gives that uh big uh you know, not big, but a very intense ending and a very great ending. Um, you know, I, I think you know, Millie Perkins is 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 really great as Lady Coco. And kind of a cool attitude. She's a cool hip lady. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's great casting and it's very different rather than, cause I mean, you think black actresses back then immediately, you think of Pam Greer. Um, who's the lady that played, um, Cleopatra Jones? What's her name? It plays, uh, it's like Vivica A. Fox's character in Kill Bill. That's what her name is. I can't think of it.
0: I'm trying to look. Hold on. It's like oh. on the tip of my tongue.
2: But anyways, I mean, you have uh, you know Cleopatra Jones.
0: Tamara Camp Dobson.
2: Supper. That is not it. Um, that's
0: that's that's
2: no, 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 no. I got the wrong name. I got the wrong character, I think. But
0: Tamara Dobson played Cleopatra Jones.
2: Uh, who am I thinking about that? I don't know, man. But anyways, um, but all, all those characters we have really, like, badass female actresses, and we just have kind of a blend between a man, you know, and a female kind of working together, trying to get away from Whitey and all this other shit, but also blossoming a relationship rather than having guns blazing and, you know, kind of that, you know, exploitation attitude. Yeah. Um, but both of these films are like that, you know, it, making the candy tangerine man, making him a family man and, you know, have living this double life is come, something completely out of the out of the box. Because, I mean, we would have, you know, if this was a normal black exploitation movie. He would just be a badass pimp killing people. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's almost like he has this morality part, too. It's like, oh, shit.
0: Yeah, because he has kids, well, he I, has to get home to. You know, he has a wife and kids. He needs. To yeah,
2: like like get shit's getting weekend. serious. Like shit's shit's going down, and that's what I really like about about both films is that they stay true to the kind of the black exploitation, uh, you know, genre. But at the same time, they completely do their own things and are different. Because we have too many movies like Rudy Ray Moore, where all the films run together. You know, a lot of Fred Williamson movies run together they're all great by any means i'm not putting them down i enjoy those films quite a bit but we also we get the movies confused yeah just like how i did just a few minutes ago which was crazy um but i can tell you the difference between candy tangerine man versus all the other exploitation movies so
0: yeah it's it's yeah it's it's very unique i, I really liked it um, the print was really, uh, was really beat up on this one, and I'm, I'm actually surprised more people, you know, you, cause you get a lot of people, uh, in, in reviewing these and kind of, uh, will, will beat something up if it's not pristine. But this was a pretty beat up print. I kind of liked that it was that way myself, kind of gave it a little more character. Um, but I'm assuming that these prints were just in bad shape and this is the best, uh, that they can, they can, they can get them. It, I almost wish that they included something in the special features more about, you know, their restoration process and, and, you know what I mean? Cause I know yeah, that, yeah. uh, cause that's interesting to me. So some movies they'll restore and they look pristine. Some movies they can only do, you know, only do so much. But, um, I thought it added to the character of the film as well. But anyway, really, really good release on there. And, uh, there was a few other, uh, adult films on there that I'm just gonna run off really quick. Corporate assets, uh, both ways. And then there's a double feature, take one, and then moving. Uh, I wanna did move on to Did you watch the, any of these? I, I did not. But I'm asking Brad, uh, <laughs> did you watch any of those and did any of them kind of stand out? Yes. Which, which one stood out the most uh, for those ones?
2: Well, number one, before we get into the form, we need to talk about Evils of the Night.
0: Well, yeah, I'll, we're going to get into the August stuff. I want to get the July stuff. Uh...
2: Oh, I don't know what's what. <laughs> <laughs> They're all great. Like, I mean, well, what's in what's in this pack that we're talking about?
0: July pack was Candy Tangerine Man, Lady Coco, Peri, Peri, Wee, Petey WeeStraw Corporate assets both ways and then take one and moving.
2: Oh, okay. Corporate assets. I could talk about some corporate assets mainly because it was the first thing I watched because it said corporate assets. <laughs> um, so eh. I compare corporate assets a lot to kind of um, oh, shit, corruption. um Where it does a little bit. I mean, we're also talking about porno here, so you've got it like, don't think this is fucking Godfather or some shit. <laughs> um, so, it's mainly about sex. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's actually, this is more of an action, uh, film, as kind of porno goes, about as action as you can get. Um, basically getting into the life of, you know, corporate greed and hunger um, where a really really rich man does awful things um, as you can see where that's going it's kind of uh, not. it's not really a roughie, but there's a lot of rougher things if you remember kind of Ron Jeremy's uh, sequence mm-hmm. of blue ice where it gets a little uncomfortable <laughs> corporate assets is kind of like that um mainly because i mean you, your characters in this like i mean you don't have your fun-loving porn stars which they are fun-loving porn stars but you have um harry Reems, jamie gillis and herself savage in the film which these are intimidating dudes um all in the same movie and then you have this other guy what's his name i, I didn't really know uh, eric edwards who is kind of a sleazy dirtbag looking dude who um you know is a, is the star of the film but um it's kind of like the reason why it's you want to talk about it is because these are the movies that were made because they had a they wanted to do something more than porn they wanted to put the porno in there but they also wanted to make a movie um very like when I watched it, the very first thing I thought about was Boogie Nights, um, you know, because of trying to make movies while doing porn at the same time, trying to make something entertaining, an action movie, um, you know, a thriller uh, at the same time, you know, doing porn, but also putting your acting shoes on and trying to play serious roles rather than, you know, uh, the UPS man or, you know, the guy that's going to come fix the kitchen sink for, you know, two minutes and then you fuck like these people are really, really trying to keep up these characters and get motivated and stay in character even while doing the sex, but even before and after that. And you don't get a lot of that because you get one scene here, one scene there, you know, four or five sex scenes with maybe 10 minutes story. Um, and people are just playing, you know, a role for a very, very short time. Here, you have people undertaking larger roles and, you know, reoccurring characters uh, in films. Uh, that's why I said it's comparable to kind of corruption with Jamie Gillis is in, and um, you know, even Blue Ice has that. Uh, even you know, we talked about what was that uh, Ginger Lynn movie that we that I wasn't a big fan of that was just released we kind of played like that, you know, 50s like crime movie. Yeah, 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 but yeah. even those characters stay in character the entire time. So that's what's different about these. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say it's great, but, um, it, it's different. It is a different style of filmmaking.
0: Right. Now I was curious about both ways because that seems like, uh, another level of, like the 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 synopsis reads like a drama where you have this character who's married, but he's also has uh, fallen in love with a with a man with another, with another man.
2: Yeah, no, what's, this is the, the what's it's what's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. It is. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's about a guy that has everything. He's got a great son. He's got the job. He's got the house. He's got the wife. Um, but he falls in love with another man, and then. Things kind of turn sour, spoiler alert, ooh, sour, a taste in his mouth. And then, that was a joke, and then he basically, you know, uh, wants to get back at him. And, you know, obviously this guy is living in the closet with the whole ordeal, doesn't want anybody to know, so when things, uh, you know turn for the worse, he gets scared because he obviously doesn't want this to come out that he is going both ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. So, but it's, 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 it's really cool because, you know, this obviously just isn't a straight porno. It is, um, it is, but it isn't. Um, we're dealing with, Homosexuality, at the same time, like, trying to talk about something really taboo, um, it's definitely worth It's definitely not for everybody, but it's worth it if you're into these types of things, into these types of films, and want to see something, I don't know. A little bit, is the same thing, like, I'm going to say different, which I, that's how I define corporate assets, but that's in the straight, just porno world, you know, but this is more of a film, but wanting to kind of go outside the box, but also have, you know, some really sexy, sexy stuff in there, but hey, you get some man-on-man action, which I know people are into that. BJ kind of said before the show that you know that could be a thing. Is BJ still there?
1: I am still here.
2: (laughs) Did you watch both ways? Both ways? Yeah.
1: Oh, I sure did.
2: (laughs) Well, I would like to hear your thoughts on it. I'm over here talk (laughs) I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about half the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um I think what's so cool about both ways is that it plays with kind of this this idyllic fantasy that so many people had but at the same time like that's something that was definitely prevalent in society then and is pretty prevalent in society now but people just don't ever want to talk about it um kind of the idea of having you know the all-american family but also having like your gay shit on the side um i think that that's pretty commonplace and i think that now we're just becoming more aware of it because people are not so repressed about talking about their feelings but like the amount of people that i know that talk about like how their like their grandparents or their uncle or their whoever their aunt had like a secret gay lover like on on the side in their life is pretty constant um so i i don't think that this is very far-fetched and i think that that's what's so interesting is that they're like kind of glorifying this sexuality of that sort of situation um I, I don't know i think that it's a really i don't want to say that you know it's it's a porn piece that still resonates with us today but i i do i think that that's what it is and i think that it's so cool that they were talking about this subject in a time when like that was so taboo even though everyone was fucking doing it And people are still doing it now, you know?
2: Yeah, I I, I dig it. Like I said, it's not for everybody, but it it is something cool to see because, like, no matter what year you're in or decade, it's still relevant.
1: And the other thing that's so fascinating is that especially when you think of pornography and you think of bisexuality, you always think of women. Always. It's always, you know... Mommy has a secret lover with the babysitter or what have you. But the fact that they're willing to discuss male bisexuality, which, you know, bi-erasure is such a problem in general in our media, pornography included, um, but male bisexuality... Like, look at fucking Constantine. Perfect example. Uh Constantine is canonically bi- a bisexual male, and no one ever wants to address it, because, like, that's too much. That's stupid. But... You know, both ways is willing to discuss that, you know, that is a very active sexuality that for whatever reason we never want to talk about. Like we have this weird mindset that men are victims of like the one drop rule in the sense that like, oh, if you've had gay sex once in your life, then you're just gay. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. Um, So I think that it's it's fascinating that both of these like kind of lives that he's living are, you know, just as important, um, just you know. The only problem is he just picked kind of a shitty partner who wanted to ruin his life. But hey,
2: yeah. But I, I dig it.
1: Yeah, I dig it a lot. I think that it's it's really cool. Check it out if you would like to hear about that story. All
0: right, <laughs> um, and then the the last like double feature for the July was uh, Take One and Moving. Do you guys have anything to say about those ones or? Um, can we, can, we, well, move
2: can watched, we move along? I watched I watched part of Take One. I didn't finish it, mainly because I can do uh, both ways. However, like I enjoy, enjoy like Wakefield Pool's Bible, his film I Bible. I love but, Bible. Um, take One is a little bit different. <laughs> um, I I don't a know. Docu fantasy. It's, 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 Wakefield Poole is a unique filmmaker and he does a great job because he is so different and does kind of this performance shit and makes it more of an art house film rather than a gay porno. Um, but it works really well. It's just, I don't, it's, you know, I always say it's stuff's not for me. This is not for me.
1: Uh, so. This is definitely for me. Um, I'm a big fan of Wakefield Pool. I'm a big fan of, you know, all-male cinema from the 70s. Um, It makes me sad that all-male cinema isn't still like this. Um, But I don't want to talk forever about it, but all I'll say is that if you do like Bijou or Boys in the Sand, um I think that this is more closely related to that than it is, you know, both ways. This is very much so... Um, in the realm of, like, the classic distinctive gay pornography from the 70s. Like, when you think of gay pornography, you're thinking of Wakefield Pool whether you know it or not. Hmm. And I think that this is kind of an example of that.
0: Now, this is uh, kind of, a, it says docu-fantasy. Like, so it's Wake, Wakefield Pool's uh, take one, and then there's a bonus feature uh, of moving Mm-hmm. Um, they considered a bonus picture on here, I guess. So, is is this like a documentary style, or what's? Do you know? How, yeah, how we approach the this this film.
1: Yeah, it's it's more it's more of more of an aesthetic. Okay, I would I would say, um, then I would say a style. Um, he's kind of playing with a lot with this. Um, because at some moments it feels very performance art. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's. If you're looking for a traditional by the book pornography, you're not going to get that. But if you're looking for kind of that like introspective, like classic 70s male porno, like kind of combined with. I don't really even know how to explain this. I'm sorry. It's like one in the morning, my time right now, and I'm trying to like analyze gay porn. No, um, I I think that it's 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 definitely not gonna be one of the more palatable ones, but I just I think that it's so classic of that time period hmm. and of that you know world. Um, I think I just think that it's important hmm. and it's worth checking out if if that's something that you're into. Awesome.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's uh now we now Brad, we can talk to evil. We we'll talk about evils of the night.
2: Oh, cool! It's really good. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I
0: right, really—that's all you want to say about "Evils of the Night." "Evils of the no. Night" uh, <laughs> is—I had no idea what I was getting into. It's so my first time watching it.
2: Oh, so what was your first time watching it like? Well,
0: it, 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 it felt like they had. And a, then I'm,
2: then I'm going to trap you it's probably a trick question. It, it it's felt a like, trick question.
0: It felt like they had a script for a porno and they decided to take out the hardcore parts of it and then they uh for the all the teenagers and stuff, or whatever, twenty five year olds playing teenagers, and then they introduced this kind of uh, weird these guys are like forty space, at least. Space vampire type plot uh into it. So it's funny uh I don't know. It's a uh, it's it's like sleazy ish because it's kind of weird because they're it's like all the the women seem to undress uh, all the way whereas the men seem to keep their clothes on if that makes any sense. Well,
2: there's even a doggy style scene where the woman is stripped down completely. And yeah, the and
0: he has so his, his, his pants on, on. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: because. That's usually how it works. <laughs> Dudes are afraid to show their dicks, and girls are like, "Fuck it."
2: So, right. have you seen you? You said this. You haven't seen this movie before. Well, I'm this was ridiculous. I'm going to prove that you're wrong. Okay. Because you have seen this movie before. Because I believe on when we were doing VHS, oh my oh god, shit. we covered Evil Town. Yes. Which there's a lot of footage from Evil Town in this movie. So I thought,
0: okay. I was so, watching this, going like, I think with okay,
2: Marty Marty Rustem in the seventies uh, uh, made a movie called Evil Town. He did he did some. Of, I don't think he directed it completely, but he did part of Evil Town. Uh, so basically, they um, kind of just recut it and has some scenes from Evil Town in um, Evils of the Night.
0: Because those two janitor type guys or whatever, right? Yeah, what. Guys. Isn't it those two like mechanic or janitor type guys in this in this one? They're in they're in they're in both, right?
2: You talking about Kurt and Fred? Yeah. Neville Brand and Aldo Ray?
0: Yeah. Well, Sean, here's the trick question.
2: What movie did you watch?
0: Evils of the Night.
2: Wait, you didn't did you not watch well, Evils of the Night, you did wait, did you not
0: watch Evil Town then? No, we watched Evil Town.
2: Oh yeah. no no! All all the all the alien stuff is is e- evils of the night.
0: R- okay, yes.
2: The sex stuff is from Evil Town. Oh my god! Because the actors don't match up. Because yeah. the actors that get abducted and killed, uh, sometimes you don't even see it. It's not the same actors. Yeah, they just have sequences. So it's it's really bizarre of how it all unfolded, and the thing is, it's not talked about enough. Like people don't talk about how these two movies are. It's very similar to um, Night Train to Terror, which is uh, you know a bunch of movies in one. Even one of them uh, is a full entire movie, but they cut up clips to make another one. Like it's it's bizarre that you know they do uh, they do this and and the same thing is like you know we have care we have actors like Neville Brand and Aldo Ray that I think this is Neville Brand's last movie
3: mm-hmm.
2: but like you have like some really great actors and like this is their like towards their last movies like you would say that Neville brand's last movie is evil evils of the night. Like what kind of life is that? Like to go down in history, is that that's your last movie? Um, it obviously not, um, Aldo Ray, Aldo Ray's last movie was shock him dead. (laughs) Wow. So, but that's, that's what I love about these guys is that, you know, Aldo Ray, Neville brand, um, uh, What's that guy's last name? Uh, not Walter Matthau. The other guy. Um, shit. Like John John Carradine. Um, Julie yeah. fucking Newmar. Uh Julie Newmar! Jesus Christ, I forgot. Yeah, she's in Evils of the Night. Um, she sure is. But all these guys, they were doing horror. Like they did comedy on television, and then like towards the end of their career, they were just all doing horror films you know, um, what's that movie called? Uh, here, let me look at it. alone, what is it? alone in the dark. That's the guy that's in it, but like, Don, uh, uh, Jack Palance is in that movie. Um, uh, who, who am I thinking? Martin Landau. That's who I'm thinking about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. fucking alone in the dark has Jack Palance. Donald Pleasance obviously isn't new to horror and Martin Landau, Jack Palance and Martin Lando played in a lot of horror films together. Um, but like, You know, it's just crazy that these guys did that. They, like, they loved it. And um, I don't know. There's something. Evils of the Night, I wouldn't say, is a great movie. um, But it is bizarre and fun and kind of crazy. And I think Mike Mike Sandlin pointed out is that why is the
0: Millennium Falcon on the front? (laughs) Yeah.
2: If you he's look just, at the fr- front front, uh, cause they have a spaceship in the front of the mo- in the
0: movie straight up the Millennium Falcon on this poster, which makes no sense. Like how did they get away with that?
2: I don't know, but I do love that uh, cover art. So, <laughs> but this is an upgrade because Gor- Gorgon video released this two years ago. Um, and then, you know, they, uh, vinegar syndrome sweeps in behind and does a, a better, a better trance, uh, transfer. Um, but Mar- Marty Rustum, the director of this, even though he only, like, directed, like, uh, probably, he directed Evil Town and this. I don't know if he directed uh, anything else. However, he directed some killer fucking movies. Like, he has some shit that he produced that was completely, like, off the wall um so like he did uh shit now i'm drawing a blank he did please don't eat the babies which is on a ba- uh, uh um a duo pack with barracuda barracuda is a terrible terrible movie don't think it's like about killer fish cuz it's not <laughs> um but he did you know eating alive of course with uh to- toby Hooper. he did psychic killer which we just talked about um not too long ago he did pets um, but he had such this fascination with like psychedelic horror and like psychotronic shit where like you're rubbing your head trying to figure out exactly what you're watching. Like he'd love to do off the wall stuff. And I wish that we had more producers like that that took a chance with scripts because just take and alive. Please don't eat the babies. Uh, psychic killer and pets. I mean, we talked about psychic killer. You've seen that one, Sean. Yeah. You've seen. Eat- have you seen Eaten Alive, uh, no, uh, the to- Toby Hooper film?
0: Uh, is that the that's the Crocodile? Or or the yeah. 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 Not not yet. It's on. It's on. somebody to watch. And your watch
2: watch pile. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So, sure. but you have uh, <laughs> but you have such a unique uh man that wants to produce alternative cinema. And I think that was really, really cool. And we needed more people like him, because that's how these movies got made. Um, but going back to Evils of the Night, that's definitely something that he, you know, he he got behind that was just really fucking weird. And, you know, since his evil town didn't do well, he just recuts it, still owns it, recuts it, and basically fills in the gaps into the movie that he just filmed about aliens abducting. These are the worst teenagers ever. (laughs) Like the only thing that he didn't know how to do is just how to create a person. Because the things that happen in this movie between kids, like it's like somebody that has never, ever met a teenager writing teenagers. Yeah. It's like, oh, how is he going to do this? How is he going to get this girl's attention? Oh, he's going to rub sand all over her and seaweed. <laughs> yeah. And then there's going to be a fun sequence where she dumps it on him, and they're all going to laugh and run into the lake.
0: Uh, and that like, lake did not look sanitary.
2: Oh my, dude, they're in the lake. There's like, It's a fucking swamp. <laughs> like, I live in Florida. That's a fucking swamp. You don't swim in that. Those girls probably got infections. Uh, and totally. things probably crawled up urethras and shit. Um, um okay. but it's just, it's just really, and like, there's that one sequence where, like, they're, uh, testing each. Uh, it's been a while since I watched Evil's of the Night, but there's a sequence, if I remember, where they're holding his hand over the fire, counting how high he can get up to before he has to remove his hand. And the number's like in the 50s or 60s. There's no fucking way! Rust them that that's gonna happen. Like, how why was that an idea? And then the one guy basically threatens to like take out his cock and put it over the fire. How long can I leave my dick over the fire? Like, is this like this? That how we thought that these teenagers were? And I know that these people are like forty, like doing these acting. They've been so long they've been a teenager. You think someone would say, dude, this is not how people are. Like, we're not even talking about kids anymore. We're just talking about people. Like it's just a very very bizarre script and just weird all around, and th- that's why it's great is that it is so unique and doesn't like you don't know where it's going, and I don't even remember how it, it fucking ends up. <laughs> like I, I remember uh, Aldo Ray's character is smashed by the car, right, and then. Neville, wait, no. Neville Brand is smashed by the car. Aldo Ray mm-hmm. is like, I don't remember. He he has like the standoff with, but <laughs> even even the sequence where they're like tied there. I think there's one part where they're tied up in a garage, and like their 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 hands are like around uh, like pillars in the garage, and the one girl like miraculously just how some gets free. And then she starts working on the other girl instead right. of the big muscle guy that could possibly help them and knock people out.
0: But, um... <laughs> yeah, because all uh, three of them are, like, tied up in the room, right? Like the beast. Yeah,
2: and then she, oh, it's whatever. just it, it's just the choices in the movie are just really bizarre. And that's what makes it so funny. Um, but it really is kind of porn horror. Like, there's just so much sex... And like the plot of just abducting teenagers and then sucking their blood so they can live another hundred years. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. But yeah. anyways, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's weird. It's, it's not even really a movie at times, it feels, yeah. but uh, it's, it's definitely enjoyable on that scale. Of liking shit like that, yeah. So,
0: BG, do you have any uh, any more thoughts on Evils of the Night?
1: I mean, Brad just kind of took what I was gonna say, and I'm extremely tired, so anything I say is probably not gonna be very coherent. <laughs> um, I love Evils of the Night. I love that it is straight up just porn horror. Um, I wish that we still made movies like this because yeah. I think that they're fun. Um, but fuck yeah, Julie Newmar for life.
0: Nice. Um, That's all I got. <laughs> we're, we're 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 losing everybody here. It's 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 late, so we're I'm I'm probably gonna say we're not, we're not we're gonna have to call this episode.
2: Ah oh, no no no, we'll talk about. I can talk about the next ones really quick. <laughs>
1: you you can. It you, is is two thirty. I gotta be up 30 in the morning
0: for the morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you in five minutes? Can you round up? Taboo, sex comics, body girls, and let's get physical,
2: dude. Challenge accepted. Okay, so sex comic, <laughs> se- sex, sex in the comics. I only got to watch, um, sex tunes. I watched a little bit of. I think the the Funky World. It's just kind of like clips put together. But uh, Anthony Spinelli did Sex World and stuff. He was behind it. Just kind of a odd like little group of cartoons and shit like that that's put together in you know. Kind of what they did for, you know, the, the, these horror movies, comedy movies, stuff like that. They put sex in, well, they were putting sex in cartoons like this as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. It's definitely maybe not a must, but it's uh, unique enough to have some fun with. Uh, we talked about Body Girls and Let's Get Physical Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, already I believe where yeah they it's, were on
1: my doorstep Yep.
2: yeah Bob Chin flicks uh, you know sexy uh, you know spandex sweat stuff like that <laughs> a lot of fun Um, you know very sex comedy because that's what you know Bob Chin is best at um, and then ultimately Kay Parker who is awesome who plays in a lot of these um, a lot of these uh You know pornos Um This was taboo which was Really really crazy It's about incest Um it's about A woman who has a son Who uh Recently um Her Her husband leaves her she meets her Neighbor um She basically gets in the. It's called taboo so there you go Um But it's very odd because it is about incest and it is a porno. Um, Obviously, you know it's, it's 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 weird. You could watch a movie of two people having sex, complete strangers, and you're watching a porno. And then, like, you lean over to the person watching it and you're like, "Hey, you know those two porn stars having sex? Yeah, they're supposed to be siblings in this movie." And then the person's (laughs) like, ugh. It's like, wait, why does that, like... I Because I understand, like, how it's taboo and how it's weird. Like, hearing a movie about incest. But it always, like, makes me laugh when it has to deal with, like, movies like this. Like, porno. Because you're watching, like, just two porn stars fuck that you know. Like, Kate Parker, she's pretty well known. You know? And then it's like, oh, that's her son she's fucking. (laughs)
3: Ugh.
2: Nope. That's not the response that you do that movie. You're just like, Oh, wow. This is movies. This porno is about incest. That's weird. Um, because it's not, it's just a really odd thing. You just wouldn't think that pornos would go to at this time, not now, because obviously that's a thing. Um, fuck your sister while she's sleeping. Um, you know, this was a lot different, uh, back, back then. I, I it was taboo. It was, um, frowned upon. Now it's like a I fetish. I think the
1: reason. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. I think the reason that it was so frowned upon is because it was the first time that they were putting in the foref- like in the forefront, that like this is a fantasy that a lot of people have, and that's what's gross.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, the sister brother sister porn, or you know, the stepmom stepson, but like this is literal incest. Like right. It, I, but that
1: like and obviously that. I watch a lot of porn,
2: but is incest like fucking your mom like a thing? Uh
1: there's a whole the fucking Oedipus complex, dude. Like what where have you oh, been? No. Like
2: this is a no, phenomenon that. that's
1: been around since longer no, no, than no, no, pornography. No.
2: Yeah, no, I realize that, but I'm saying is that like is that like a like initially is that made a lot? Because I don't I don't stumble upon those videos. Well, because I know the, due, mom, to the well, cause due to
1: the yeah, due to the legalities of stuff like that, like it's the same thing as like y- you know when they made the Triple Exorcist, they couldn't say like, oh, Reagan's 11 years old, even though it's clearly being played by an adult, and even though it's clearly parodying a movie, like you have to say, oh, I just turned 18 or it's illegal, in the same sense that, like, with incest porn, like, it has to be, like, stepmom or, like, friend of dad or something like that because it's, like, the legalities behind all of it now and the language are so different. So if they were allowed to, oh, EPSA fucking lootly, they would not be step-parents or step-siblings. They would be brother and sister, mother and son, father and daughter. Like, they get away with it kind of by calling them daddy because daddy is, like, a sexual term that doesn't necessarily imply, like, birth father kind of thing. But, yeah, they they, they just legally can't call it that anymore because incest is illegal. <laughs> so that's how it works.
0: The more you know, folks.
3: <laughs> the yeah.
1: The more you know. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank,
2: thank you for um, <laughs> that.
0: Good job. Good Class job, Brad. Class is
1: Dismissed.
0: All right. So there's the July and August, uh, vinegar syndrome titles. We are going to prepare for the September package and then October package is coming out and uh, we will be more prepared. We'll take no, I'm going to take notes. Uh, no, you won't. And we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll do a shorter what's Under your doorstep next time. Jesus.
2: Yeah. And
1: ho- hopefully we're not, uh,
2: not next time. I'm going to blow it up next time. recording at
1: 11 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, That's hey,
2: you're That's the, the jerk that wants to record at
0: eleven. That's the hard part of the podcast. I is, have uh, rehearsal. Us, us, yeah. <laughs> I have rehearsal. PG has rehearsal. I I I'm on children. the west coast. You guys are on the east coast. You know, eh, it is what it is. We're yeah, we're doing we the best we can. Work. We're not as we don't have all the time in the world like freaking Splat House has.
2: Now we're just getting grumpy. I'm not
0: jealous or anything. We're getting grumpy.
2: <laughs> we're gonna say we're, just, <laughs> we're gonna say something <laughs> we don't mean.
0: All right, well. uh want well, to thank all you guys for listening of course head over to the and check out our sponsors give them some love uh check out the pins if you're collecting some pins grab the pins um but all we ask is you check you know check out our sponsors uh grindhousevideo.com buy your movies from grindhousevideo.com of course go to,
2: to get lapel pins.com pins. yeah. to purchase your own pins but you should purchase ours first, and make, then get lapel pins. Yeah, you
0: can make your or own make pins. your own pins
2: and purchase them through Get Lapel Pins.
0: Ahem. Yeah, but buy ours first.
2: That's that's how that's how you do a plug.
0: <laughs> and Of course, coffee shop. This coffee followers. is com. really good. Yeah. Anyway, good to coffee right now. <laughs> this is a, this is a falling off one the rails. of us
2: dot net. <laughs> Thank you for hosting the show. <laughs> buy Mike Grindhouse videos.
0: Alright Go to the Screamcast.com Slash sponsors Slash sponsors For all the information
2: Go to Whore Pack Buy their monthly whores Thanks
0: for putting up with this episode We'll talk to all you guys Vinegar Syndrome next next Buy their week.
2: stuff Alright
0: We're tired and delirious Talk to you guys later
2: Bye Bye Oh don't tell me you're leaving
3: The party's just begun